my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Not dead yet, but I'm working <laughs> on it. Bit by bit. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you were sick last week. That's right. Right. Are you feeling better this week? Uh, I'm, I'm getting there. Uh. Uh, also joining us is your co-host, um, Hunter. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what season it is because my allergies have been going freaking haywire. Oh, really? Kind of right behind Jim. I'm not, I'm not dead yet. I- yeah, man, it's like it keeps it keeps <laughs> yeah, it keeps like sweeping back and forth between like spring, fall and winter up here, man. Like Ooh. the other week it was 30 degrees. Today it was like 65 and humid. Um, wow, it was actually warmer there than it was here today. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Like it's, <laughs> it's uh it's pretty it's pretty gnarly. Like yeah, I I I don't I don't uh I don't like it. <laughs> it's been it's been crazy because like flowers are starting to like rebloom and stuff. Oh like no. That, so it's it's crazy. They're probably as confused as you are. <laughs> uh sadly spaz is not joining us because he is he's sick uh poor guy everyone's getting sick uh he's close he's closer to being dead than we are yeah my wife is getting the thing now but she's an elementary school teacher so she gets all the things uh she oh my god like the first few years she taught she was just always sick just constantly 10 months out of the year sick <laughs> just like sleeping in a vat of like hand sanitizer oh my god like it took i think about six years of teaching for her immune system to finally let protect her f- and not have her be sick all the time <laughs> so folks we have a guest this week oh where joshua walker where are you in the world i am in southeast wisconsin Ooh, okay. So, what's how's the weather? Is the weather been crazy over there too? Just side, just uh, weather side note. <laughs> it's it's it is. Well, first of all, I am shockingly healthy, and um, it's all the uh, keys. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I live right by Lake Michigan, so our weather in the winter is weird already. When you have a oh, gigantic yeah. warm warm yeah. piece of lake that's sitting right next to it so we just had our storm come through which is kind of like the first one but yeah it's been pretty mild it's not i've seen worse but uh it's it's pretty okay that's that's not bad well, i'm glad you're i'm glad you're well enough to be with us or else we'd have a problem because you know we scheduled you we scheduled this whole show around you uh so folks we are here tonight to uh talk about this is an interesting thing so back in 1991 the folks at Omnitrend already had three games under their belt called Universe. And they were these crazy complex space trading games. I've tried to play them and I can't. Even with the manual, I'm like, what am I doing? They're like the epitome of 80s UI jank. Like, so crazy to play. Um, Wait, you mean it's crazier UI than this game? This game is is an elegant piece of art compared to those games. I am not even kidding. Those games are crazy convoluted. 
I, I've tried playing all three of them, and you would think they might get easier, like or more more like elegant as they go from one to two to three. Nope, <laughs> they do not. <laughs> they are just it's well it was the 80s too no one really knew how to make a ui like what's a ui you know so <laughs> thank god the 90s oh, okay. happened yeah. thank god the 90s happened right so um in 1991 a game in that same universe <laughs> um came out called rules of engagement and that was and still really is one of the most detailed tactical starship combat games you will ever find. I mean, um, I think the only things that even come close are like battle cruiser 3000 and Klingon Academy. And then you go down a notch and maybe you have Starfleet command and then maybe independence war. Like this is really like a level of fidelity, uh, <laughs> that you will not really find in many other games. And so there were two games that came out. This one, uh, the first one in 1991, and then Rules of Engagement 2 came out in 1993. Uh, that one was published by Impressions, which I thought was funny, who went on to make all the great city builders. But um, this one came out in 1991, and about two or three months ago, I found out that someone had gone through all the trouble to make a Windows port of the damn thing. Yep. Like, Why took this, would anyone do that? <laughs> took this near 30-year-old DOS game, or Amiga game. It was also on the Amiga. Uh, there's a name I've not heard in a long time. And uh, ported it to frickin' Amiga, Windows. I hardly know ya. <laughs> oh, God, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Once I found out this thing existed, first I had to buy it. It's $5 on itch, people. If you have any interest yep. in this stuff, go freaking buy it. And then find the manual. The manuals, some of the best manuals you will ever read. In, well, actually, in, the game in... does actually come with a manual. Oh, does too. it? Oh, okay. Yep, it's, it's, actually, it, it's in there? It's okay. hitting, yeah, it's hiding, it's hiding out in the, um, uh, in the program files folder where the executable is. Oh, so okay. There's, there's there's like a little read me in there because that that's where I kind of keep notes for how to theme the system. How you know, I just it basically I took the original <laughs> when I got the original package from Omnitrad, they had the um, manual source in PageMaker three format. Oh my which god! Like, had not seen anything Page since I think the Maker, Mac two IC. PageMaker three. Jeez, there's another. It, it, there's another blast from the past. Oh my yep, god! So I had to convert maker. that. I had to upgrade that. Up, 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 uh, up, convert <laughs> that all the way up to PDF, which is what it is now. And um, that was that was a that was an adventure of itself. There's just inside the game. There's all these archaic systems Ugh. inside that are just. I had to, I had to contain it, change it into something more contemporary, and you know get it so the program could understand it, you know, and, and, and things like that. But uh, that's getting into, you know, sort of the mid development stuff. And I can, I can start like at the beginning. Yeah. At, we want to start at the beginning. So the, the, what, the beginning of the nuts and everything. So what is your history? For, well, first off, let's start at the very beginning. What is your history yeah. with the actual rules of engagement game? Like, did you play it back in the day? Is it something you found I, later? I played rules of engagement originally on an IBM 8088 
Yes. With a grayscale Hercules monitor. Oh, my. a CGA emulator so <gasps> I could actually see the CGA graphics on a Hercules what? screen. A, so it was, oh. and it was amber. Oh, so, oh, I, oh, wow. I am fanning <laughs> myself. I am fanning and a single, myself. And with a single floppy drive, a single three, uh, a single uh, five and a quarter. Damn. And Damn. Um, that was my first computer I ever had. And um, one of wow. the things that I, I think was most awesome about it was um, I blew into my blag about the, uh, in my little dev blog about it is before, when I had the Atari 2600, I had a game called Star Raiders. And yes. it was, you know, like you know, it was like a simulation yes. game where you pilot a ship and you had like the galactic map and everything. Oh, we're well aware of that game. Absolutely. When I was a kid, I made pillow forts. I made pillow fort cockpits. <laughs> so I would have like a the recliner chair and the joystick between my legs, and I would have like the TV, you know, draped over the TV set. So it was my faint screen and the blanket, you know, isolated me from the rest of the world. I played Star Raiders on that. So I had oh, the view wow. screen and everything like that. Turns out I'm not the only person who did that. A lot of people used to play the game like that too. When really? Kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so what happened was is that start or when I played Rules of Engagement, you know, at the time next gen was out and you can mm-hmm. you can see the all the next gen oh uh, my god this is so next gen uh, this is so l yeah. cars this is like uh, l yep. cars at the yin yang it is way l cars and so one of the things i used to do is when i played the game it was amber anyway so it kind of matched the motif of the star trek show and i would move the mouse around and i would touch the screen even you know touching the screen didn't do anything it still like was fun to pretend that i was you know Touching the touching the interface and 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 playing the game that way, and um, I mean it was just one of those ones where it, I mean it, it came with a editor, it came with a solar system editor with a with a ship editor with a mission editor, so which all is, the editors were built into it, which you is kind of amazing because yeah. like the only way you could really exchange those things was like bulletin boards and CompuServe. Yep. And yep. and or or if you knew someone else who had the game nearby, yeah, give them a floppy. Yep. <laughs> so, I would like to know mm-hmm. why nobody in in how many years? Uh, what's it been since like ninety four, ninety five? Mm-hmm. That anybody has made any kind of Star Raiders remake? Right? Oh, uh, Interactive Magic made that uh, Space Rangers or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, Star. Well, I mean, right now. Star- I mean, you can see it's you can see its influence in like Elite and Elite Dangerous, where yeah, you, you know can, you can see it. But I just I just want somebody to actually remake <laughs> that game, not not the BS Star Raiders title that Atari stuck on whatever the hell that thing was that was unplayable a few years ago. But the uh, yeah the the actual the deal like you know it's a dynamic map. You got to jump around, right? Did mm-hmm. Did you ever play the the interactive magic one? No, I only had the twenty six hundred uh, version. Oh, you should track. I'm, you I'm should track down. You should track down uh, the. It's it's abandoned. Where it runs beautifully in DOSBox, <laughs> called Star Rangers. And if you liked, if you like Star Raiders, you will love this. Uh, Except for the sound effects. Except Star for the sound effects with roguelike elements to it. Uh, like so yeah, it, I know. It I randomly know. generates the maps. I know there was a sequel to there's Star Raiders two, which came out, which well, actually the Atari twenty six hundred version was actually last, a last Starfighter on yep. the Atari eight hundred is what it was hmm. supposed to. Be. Yeah, because you have you have your you have the I mean the twenty six hundred version of Star Raiders I know was actually cut down from the actual version of Star Raiders that ran on the Atari eight hundred. Hmm. So, so, so okay, so you did play this at the time, and I'm sure you. Uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm guessing you played the sequel as well. 
I did, but I didn't like the sequel as much. And when I was talking with the original developer, um, mm-hmm. he he said that it was, or uh, they kind of overreached a little mm. when they made the sequel for it because mm. you know rule ROE was already complicated enough with its interface, but they kind of doubled down on that and made it like the four square deal. Where yeah, the four square thing. Panels. I think. I think through a lot. So folks, by the way, uh, if you've not played this game, it's broken into several screens at the top, uh, navigation, communication, tactical, uh, and data where, mm. uh, and, and they all take up a separate screen by themselves, but in the sequel, it's got, it's, it's a four panel job and you can break these up into four separate panels and it made the game. Even more complicated than this. Yeah, it would have been better if you would have taken like the second one and maybe even laid out all the panels on one screen. It might be kind of cool, but you know, for reasons I didn't license the second one, I only did the first one. So you know, that was that was all I really could, I guess, quote unquote, afford to do. It was, it was that was an experiment. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. He's, no, go ahead. no. So what? What got? Where did the idea come from to port this to Windows? Okay, so here's here's the thing. I went to uh, I saw a GDC talk, and I don't have it off the top of my fingers right now. But one of the things that is a problem in today's programming landscape is that you have a lot of companies that do not like emulation on their platforms at all. Like it's banned. Um, Apple and Nintendo are the biggies that don't like it. So if you have a program that you need to port to those platforms, they do not want to have an emulator running on it because if that emulator gets broken, you can run unsigned code on it. Now keep in mind it's unsigned code in an emulator, but still that still violates the license agreement. So they keep like how they snuck MAME in on uh, iOS. It's how even there's also a guy who snuck Python into a a switch game. And he thought it was just to educate kids how to use Python and didn't realize that he violated the the licensing contract and he got fired for it because, you know, you were able to run unsigned code on the switch, even though it was in a sandbox. And he was even on Twitter saying it's a sandbox Python environment. Nothing's going to break. Don't worry about it. And and Nintendo's like, nope, nope. The license says you can't run unsigned code on our platform, period. Well, their big fear is if you can run unsigned code, then you can use that to sideload. Yeah, but he said it's a sandbox, but I think it's even just coding in general they don't want if you code on their platform they want to cut out the licensing deals you know what i mean so this is a there was a guy who reported mega man and he was talking about how they had to reverse engineer mega man and then recompile it um in order to get it to run on platforms because the licensing agreement simply wouldn't let them use an emulator at all and i thought this is an interesting opportunity i thought maybe we have some of these old dos games back in the day that are really really you know fun to play wouldn't be kind of cool to kind of get them a little bit of a facelift port them off the windows revive the source code because the source code is you know you have something called code death where if you don't do anything with your source code for a while it just starts to decay and then after a while it's so dead you can't do anything with it so i thought wouldn't it be cool to get this back up take the effort to to revitalize the code, get it viable again, so I can get it onto a platform and then push it off to someplace. And hey, if anything, I learned practice about taking old code and putting it into new code. I'll get practice about how to take code that should be emulated and you know get it onto normal platforms. And I can use that skill to further on my programming career, such and such and who and who. So how did oh, okay. you get this? And uh, and um, first off, I'm mm-hmm. shocked 
that the source code was even still existent for this I, thing. I was too, and this is how I got it. Um, so while I was thinking about this, I was working IT at a major national. Uh, I was working IT at a major uh, insurance company. I had just become hired on as a as a full time employee, and through circumstances beyond everybody's control, they wound up losing. They wound up letting go of their IT team um, for lots of different reasons. However. It came down to the fact that I, um, they basically audited where I worked. They found out that it was cheaper for my desk to be in India than in Wisconsin, and I was given a severance check and let go. That severance check was generous, so I had a budget, and it's it was a it was a couple figure budget that I had that I could simply I could either take that, invest it into a four hundred one k, get another job, blah blah blah, or. I could do with a budget something I always wanted to do. I had an idea. I had the means now. So let's go. That was my idea, right? So I just it just happened to be serendipity at the time. I had a project idea. I had funding for it. And, you know, No strings attached. Just go. Let's see what happens. So what happened was I was thinking, well, if I was going to port a DOS game, what game did I love to play when I was a kid? I remember Rules of Engagement. That was made by Omnitrend. So I looked online. I just went to omnitrend.com and see if they even existed. And they do. It's still there. And they had moved on a long time ago, like doing cell tower audit software or some, you know, thing else, right? They they got out of the game business. And so I the only thing they had on their website was a simple info at omnitrend.com. And I thought, well, wouldn't hurt. I'm going to see if they have the source code. I mean, who knows, right? It might have changed hands, some, you know, policies, whatever, right? So I wrote an email saying, basically put stating my position. I'm a programmer. I like your game. I have funding. I'd love to put your game to Windows for these particular reasons why. Do you guys even have the source code? I mean, you may not even know you made games before. Who knows, right? And so I sent the email off thinking, oh, whatever. I'll, then I'll hunt around for other games if I can't find something. And I got an email back from the president of the company. And the president said, I wrote that game. It was Tom Crambone, the guy who wrote the game. And he's like, I wrote that game. We tried to get it on GOG. They wouldn't take it because it ran like garbage in an emulator, which it does. And um, Did it? Or the, there's, the, well, there's problems with it. There's problems with it in the emulator. And also, mm. it was so archaic that GOG just passed on it. And so wow. I, basically, I, I pitched it. I said, well, what? let me port it to Windows and see what I can do. And so he sent me some sample code, asked me my evaluation of it. I evaluated it and said, yeah, I think I can port this. And then he, we made a licensing deal on it with incredibly uneven because it's his code. So it wasn't, as, it wasn't a very great licensing deal. Um, he, his cut versus my cut. But, you know, I got the source code, whatever. I get to practice it. I have funding. No big deal, right? I've already been paid. So, you know, I have the money. So don't worry about it. So I grabbed the code and he sent me like everything he sent me like prototype code he sent me the 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 software from you know the page maker manuals he sent me uh like what looked like presentations or meeting notes i had excel spreadsheets of budgets and i kind of got rid of that because that was that was you know pii but he just sent me the whole kit and caboodle it was like when the game shipped what was ever in the hard drive he just sent to me and i dug through the code, found the latest version of it because there's several versions on there and took 
the original like 26 C files and pulled that kicking and screaming into GitHub just <laughs> to get it into something to to at least do source code management, right? Because it, it had nothing. It was just a bunch of backup zip files. So I had to get that into something modern first, pulled it into GitHub, and then got to work to try getting it to compile. And the first time I got it to compile, it had, I mean, it's not even run, just to get it to compile all the way through. Uh, I had like 971 warnings because the code was so old and weird, right? Did it like freak out when you were linking it or what? Ah, linking. Linking is a, it was its own special basket case because there, like I said, there's paradigms that were not in that code that we simply just do not use anymore. And yeah, it was only ex by this. Explain, explain linking for people okay. that don't know. So in a game, you, or actually any application, you have two different ways of, of splitting your code up or, or not. Um, computers like to share code. So like when you write, when you write a program with a window, this window looks like that window, especially with Windows, right? There's, there's a GDI DLL. And that's, a, that's a library of functions that draws windows and buttons. And so if you use that library, all the buttons are consistent across all of your applications. So it's, it reuses code. And there is something called static linking, where you take all these functions and keep it in one monolithic program. Or you have dynamic linking, which you will have these DLLs, which are like little functions, little parts of the program that the computer can call out and reuse from time to time. And other, other programs can also reuse these, these functions as well. However, um, rules of engagement use something called overlay linking, which is something we don't do anymore. And that was trick number one. Overlay linking, as opposed to like dynamic linking, where you have the core program and then all the like graphic functions or keyboard functions or things that you know get reused over and over, they're they're external to the program. Overlay linking has all the core or the core functions that never gets out of memory, and it banks in and out parts of the program, so it's backwards from how you actually link something. So. Nintendo's Nintendo games, like NES games, used to do this. So there's no actual main loop to the program. The game's actually a gigantic state machine, except for this little function that kind of keeps the universe up to date. So, kind of that's just a generic overview. So I had to change it so it would link properly. So I have my graphics library, which is Allegro, and that's what's dynamically linked now. But that's one of the things that was different is it uses overlinking as opposed to static or dynamic linking. Another issue was is that the um, uh, it did something called KNRC, and it was only by the saving grace that Microsoft – oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm getting – I'm opening up a can of worms here. Go for but, it. Um, Do it, man. Do it. We want to okay. hear it all. So, so Microsoft, uh, Microsoft Visual Studio is a C++ compiler, right? And Microsoft, as of very recently, um, or, um, or Microsoft for the longest time, had deprecated their C compiler. Now, C++ and C are, are cousins each other. You can compile C code and C++ except for some, some caveats. But for the most part, they're both basically the same language. Just one's an object-oriented version of the other. And um, Microsoft never updated their C to pass C99, which is a C standard that came out in 1999. They just deprecated it, and they kept on using the C++ versions and, and added functionality to that part of their compiler. Um, there is something so called... Did you, did you end up having to like take it over to Linux where there's still GCC? No. 
because Microsoft had neglected their C compiler for so long, it actually worked <laughs> because the what? code uses something called KNR function declarations, which are different than your normal C declaration. Um, you don't declare your you don't declare your types inside your function declarations, and and their C was so old, it actually recognized it because after C99, they kind of told everybody to, they deprecated that type of declarations. So the way that functions were called were just so old that, that I had to change all of those so that it'd show up in IntelliSense so that I could see what functions there were. Um, so that was one of the saving graces that because Microsoft neglected their C for so long, it actually could read this old format and be able to compile it. Um, after changing all the functions and I getting it all to run or getting it all to compile, I had 976 warnings. And from there, it was simply going to the core, the, the actual core graphic library, and just replacing those function after function after function after function. And that's really all I had to change. The code itself was so bulletproof, except for you know some of the more archaic pointer stuff. Once I got sort of the graphic library kind of ported over to Allegro, which was my graphic platform, it just started working. And there was there's some caveats that I had to kind of deal with. For example, you know, I had to port it to I update I I the original game had 16 colors and it actually could use palettes. I couldn't use palettes because I'm using 32-bit graphics, you know, so you know there's you know they're just true color. Um other things I had to do was I had to I increased the resolution uh, by four times, so it went from 320 by 200 to 1280 by 800. And hmm. one of the things that was interesting is that if you do the math, 320 by 200 is actually 16 by 10 resolution, it's a 16 by 10 aspect ratio. It wasn't 16 by 10 in DOS because 320 by 200, you know, EGA, VGA, and and CJEGA and VGA used uh, non-square pixels. So it was four by three, even though it was 320 by 200. So it stretches it out, but unfortunately, however, 16 by 10 doesn't really fit real hot on a 16 by nine screen. So like, if you play the game now, I have this really cool like rotating background border to kind of fill that area if you're playing the game in native resolution. Um, so there, that, that's one of the things I had to do with it, but it was just... Every little fast, there's just these little archaic things that I had to update and, and upgrade. The program loop is the, was the biggest because the way the game works is in a normal computer, you have a program loop, you have a main loop. And basically it's, the main loop starts with taking input, changing the game and rendering the output, and then flipping back and taking the input, changing the variables, rendering the game, and then back again, right? So that's kind of like the flow, A, B, C. The game itself used a hardware interrupt, like physically from the interrupt chip on, the, on an IBM PC. Wait, what? And so it's, it was crazy. There is this, there oh, is this wait a little minute. function. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's no main. Continue. There's no main. There's no main function, right? There is an interrupt that fires every 15 milliseconds. And so whatever the game is doing, it will stop and then service this interrupt every 15 milliseconds. And all this interrupt does is update the universe. So the universe is running in this little 15 millisecond loop, updating where the missiles are, where the, 
where the ships are, where where what the state of the communications is, where the ships are going. Everything about the universe is held in this gigantic global heap. Yeah, and thank God they didn't tie it to frame rate. Because no, then, they didn't. Because <laughs> then so, you'd you'd have a game that would run like a thousand times speed. Yeah, and uh, and that was a problem with me when I actually changed it over. But what happens then is when you play the game and you switch to one of those screens, what it's doing in the original game was it would bank out that old that old screen, bank in a new one because the universe is still running in the background, and then it will pull all the information from the universe and display it on that screen, just like a spaceship would, right? So it's actually each one of those little windows, each one of those little functions are actually pulling from the universe what its state is and then displaying that particular data from the gigantic data heap that it has. And so it's a state machine. Every screen is a different state that you pull up and then the game for all intents and purposes freezes except every you know 15 milliseconds this little interrupt will run, update the universe and then you know give control back to the input. So it was kind of multitasking in a way. Um, so when I ported the game over, I had to emulate that that thread. Now, normal what we do is you would just make it a thread and have this have you know give it to a CPU, right? The CPU could run that thread in the background as its own little universe, and then we could pick up the information from whatever that thread updates. However, it wasn't thread safe, so it would immediately crash because you know inside that function there was inside the little interrupt function it would draw on the screen. And you can't really be inside the screen draw function, have the interrupt call, and then have it run the screen draw function. It would smash the system or put weird stuff on your screen. So I had so a thread was out. So I was super stuck for the longest time trying to figure out how to emulate this interrupt. And um, it turns out that there was this other program, this PCX, when I was complaining to other devs about the problem I had with this overlay linked application that I was trying to port. Um, there was a guy who ported a PCX uh, paint editor, like this old ancient DOS PCX editor, to Linux. And he showed me how he did it because it used exactly the same linking system. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just have to insert the functions in critical areas and have it service in a loop. You know, there, there, I had to very creatively insert in a software, I had the software implement the, the interrupt basically to get it the work function. And even then though, when I turned the, I have a, a limiter in there. So there is a frame rate lock on it because I had to put one on because if I didn't put the frame, like the frame rate limiter on it, then the game itself would actually call this function every 15 milliseconds. And the CPU usage would just go through the roof because it's constantly making the simple call over and over and over again every you know 50 you know so i had to make sure that it was like hold on wait 16 you know wait a frame service the interrupt then go back to the game do whatever you need to do then lock on you know so it's basically it's locked at 60 hertz right now i can't unlock it but then you hear your cpu fans crank up as it's as the cpu is just annihilating that poor function just over and over and over again so yeah it's that's that was one of the challenges I had with just getting it to run. Um, I also now, added a yes. Wow. So whenever whenever you ported the thing over, right? So you were mm -hmm. talking about you're using a different graphics library. Let's yes. Well, I'm so, using a I'm using a framework. Okay. Yep. So did you have to you had to like redraw everything, right? But are you still? It's basically like you're looking for mouse clicks in target areas and then passing that to the back end code 
that used well, to be. Well, the way that it, the way that it worked was that the the core library, which was, I think it was called, hang on a second, I'm going to actually crack open because I think I have my GitHub like actually open right now. No, I don't. I'll grab it real quick. GitHub. Just going to grab. There was a graphic library that was in the game, and it was called. Normal, like like the cat from Garfield. Oh yeah. So so it was it was a, a graphic library called Normal, and in this graphic library, it had the keyboard functions, the mouse functions, the graphic routines, and that was the part that was never banked out in the original version. That was the part that was stayed in memory, and the rest of the game was banked in and out. Um, and so what I used is I used a framework called Allegro, and Allegro was originally developed on the Atari ST and was ported to DOS. So a lot of the functions that are kind of needed in a DOS environment were already there. So it was actually sometimes as easy as just finding the normal function and just replacing it with the Allegro function that did exactly the same thing. Um, however, uh, and what's even cooler is that Allegro was originally de uh, developed by a guy named Sean Hargraves. Uh, and Sean actually went on to become like, you know, I remember using Allegro when I was, you know, learning to code back in the late 90s. And Sean had gone on to actually become like the head developer of XNA and then the team lead for DirectX. And so he went on to Microsoft, and that's what he's doing now. He works in the uh, gaming space in Microsoft right now. I thought that name sounded familiar. <laughs> and so, um, so I used his library, and it was just simply just replacing the normal functions with the, um, with the uh, Allegro functions and also getting rid of the DOS. Um, the do there's some there's certain DOS libraries that are kind of assumed that aren't in POSIX. So I had to make POSIX. I either had to use the POSIX version or write my own POSIX version of a Microsoft function. Like for example, in old DOS games, they would use like conio, c o n i o dot c, and that's not POSIX. That's not even used. So I had to make my own cano functions. I had to make my own uh, the way that POSIX accesses folders and, and directories is different than how Microsoft does it even today, right? So I had to replace those functions with something more generic because I wanted to, I wanted to port this code to something. I chose POSIX because it's, you know, it's Linux, but also because it's easiest to port it to other architectures too. Once I get into that kind of a state, then I can, you know, as long as that, that platform has Allegro libraries, I'll just move it over to that and I'll just recompile it and, it just would work. And I kind of got that going as well. So I can take this code without changing an IOTA. It compiles in Windows. It compiles under Linux. It theoretically can com to compile under Mac, but I don't have a Mac, so I never tried it. Um, but I also know they make Allegro libraries for Mac. They make Allegro libraries for, for um, Android. And I was beginning to start with that, but I only had a year funding. And I had two artists. And what happened is near the end of the year, my funding ran out. I had a bunch of ideas planned, like I wanted to put a tutorial system in the game. I wanted to put in like uh, uh, kind of you know have the graphics look way more contemporary than they do now. A lot of the games, the graphics now are placeholders, um, mm. so that didn't happen. And then I just shipped it and said, "Okay, it's cool." And I think right now, uh, my original investment was like I think thirty about uh, thirty six thousand dollars. I think around Ooh. there. And then um, that's that's payment that's payment for me and payment for my artists, right? And I've sold like two hundred dollars. So mm. if you do the math, my return on investment was not that great. No. And that is yeah, sometimes so 
Hmm? Did, did you have any cost sync into actual software stuff or was it all just like human time? It was all human time. Okay, the I, I figured it was all like open source stuff. Yeah, I, so. I leverage heavily on open source utilities. Like, for example, one of the things I had to do was I had to, uh, I originally had the original MIDI files for the original game. And they were written before MIDI was standardized. So if you tried to play it in a MIDI player now, it sounded like garbage. So I had <laughs> to go in and resequence the MIDI so that it would work on a normal MIDI player. And then I just recorded that as an audio file. And that's what I'm using as the opening theme song. Um, I sounds, had to, sounds like you signed up for a grand adventure. And, oh, it was, uh, I learned learning. so much. Oh my God. Yeah. I had to take the font and I changed the, 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 the text rendering. Uh, the text rendering code was so slow. I actually made it and, made it so it was a true type font it would display a true type font instead so i had to take the original font and go into a true type font editor and make my own fonts in true type using using uh font sort font forge and uh inkscape because that's the vector editing program so i would make the fonts in inkscape and then import them in the font forge and set them all up and and then generate a ttf file and i had to validate the ttf and all that other kind of stuff so i became like uh, i can make a f i know how to make fonts now i know how to resequence midis now i know how to um uh you know do you know all the nuances of of 1990s coding i now know you know i know knr function declarations and now how to, how to convert them i know how to you know change something from from overlay linking to static linking or dynamic linking. And these skills are something I wanted to build up so that I could just add it to a resume and say, hey, you know, I've coded this thing into from, from DOS, this old thing that, you know, won't, that runs, doesn't run on an emulator. Or we don't want to use an emulator one, use native code. I could take this old code and now put it into something contemporary so you guys can now port it to whatever switch or, or Android or what have you. And so, so Gog didn't want the game, but maybe Gog wants you now. Maybe. I don't know. Because the thing is, is that after I ran out of cash, I had to get a quote unquote real job again. And so now I work IT for a hospital. And that's kind of where I've been hanging out at, at doing, you know, I just went back into the workforce and did whatever. And, you know, the problem when there's, when I did a kind of a postmortem on what happened with it after I got everything done, the stuff I didn't, I wasn't able to do, which was really good ideas, like putting in a tutorial system or getting it on Android or getting it onto some platform with a touchscreen. Because one of the first things I did was I actually made the game touchscreen compatible. Um, the original game, if you run it in DOSBox, even if you have a touchscreen, it only uses the mouse delta X and Y. So it only does mouse movements. You can't click on something and have the mouse pointer jump to that location. It doesn't understand that, but so, now it does. So here's like, here's a thought. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about what you're saying with the whole, you know, GOG wouldn't take it because it would run poor in an emulator. Mm -hmm. And yet what you, what you've is you've, I mean, this is not running in, this is directly a port. This is not an yeah. emulator. Yes. Right? What what's interesting is is like I I'm I'm kind of wondering if GOG has ever done that with any of their games, uh, or if they're if all of these old licenses that they've acquired, they've all gotten them to work in like a DOS box that runs in the background, right? Well, and and you just don't know about it. You know what here, I mean? Because like I can tell you because another one of the things I have lots of hats, and also one of the things is like Maurice. Uh, the artists from uh, Rules of Engagement. I'm also low-key. I've been on the internet for a really long time, too. 
Um, one of my claims to fame is I actually had a viral, um, I had a viral YouTube video where I did a one-to-one -one scale model of the Enterprise in Minecraft. And the first thing people hear when I say that, they realize, oh, I'm that guy, right? That was oh. it the next gen Enterprise? Yeah, it was like the next the gen Enterprise. Yep. I remember okay, that. I remember that. Yeah. Yep, that was me. Wow. So what happened was, is when I did that project, I became internet famous, quote unquote. And we got, we got like the two, the two pillars. Yeah, the Thomas of the, the tank engine and then the exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. So we've had the guy who did the Thomas the Tank Engine mod for uh, Skyrim on here. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. In fact, he's trained something in uh, in the dev room. Yeah. The uh, train whiz with me. Train whiz, yeah. <laughs> Well, what I did was I, I wound up, you know, wound up getting at this community going, right? And believe it or not, this community still exists to this day. They rebuilt that. This chip is done. And it's actually complete. And they have a whole Minecraft server that's been running for years. And the hmm. problem with it is, is that I went to that server once. And I said a simple hello. And I got mobbed by everybody. And I do not like... Lots of people like, oh my god, they gave me admin rights to the server like immediately. And I was like, I don't know if I should have because I don't even play Minecraft, honestly. I don't. <laughs> and so I was like checking out the ship and I was like, oh, this is a cool wall. And I broke one of the walls and I didn't know how to fix it. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm like an admin here and I'm gonna destroy my own ship. You know what I mean? So I don't like I don't like social media and I do not like like I don't like Facebook for like privacy reasons. And I don't like Twitter because of parasocial engineering, which it does, which is gross. And so I kind of stay away from social media, which is probably a detriment to the game I did too. I didn't, the most I did was I did a development blog, you know, how 90s of me, right? But I didn't go out there and I didn't tag everybody this was going on. I didn't advertise myself out there because I simply just don't use those platforms. If I had a social media manager, that would have been cool. I had a budget. I wasn't thinking about that at the time. So, you know, that's one of the kind of downfalls to this game is I really didn't advertise myself when I should have. But, you know, at the same time, it was more of a learning experience for me to see if what I wanted to do was even feasible. And given a chance, if I got another 36 grand and said, hey, do you want to do this project again? I'd take it in a heartbeat because the experience that I learned was more so than just shoving it into a 401k and seeing it like, you know, and when I'm 65, even though that probably would have been better in the long run, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from that. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I went with that. Well, okay. I guess, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess with like my question though, was like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wonder, I wonder why, or if they even, if, if GOG does what you did, because oh. you would you would think that like I I'm sorry and I got, I got distracted by the by, the, it's, by it's my okay. own story. It's okay. It's another, a good story though. I like no, it. No, no, no. I was, I was, gonna say, I was another, waiting on the Richard Stallman part where he's like, yeah, and I don't like web browsers, so I have it email me web pages. Yeah. And, no. Yeah. What happened was is that I actually is also a part of another community where we reverse engineered Final Fantasy VII, and we've been doing that since 1996. Seven. Yeah. So well, I've been part of this further ahead than the real guys no, square no. Is. they hired one of us um, oh wow there oh, was okay. a guy there was a guy who because the original window the original windows of of uh for reasons they lost the source code to 
Final Fantasy VII. And a guy remade one of the drivers that was OpenGL and made it, it or he, that, that was DirectX, and he remade one of the graphics drivers into OpenGL and fixed a lot of the bugs. So the executable can run through this driver perfectly fine. And Squaresoft hired him, and now they made their own driver for it. And then there's like an open source version of the driver that we use for mods. So the when you buy the Steam version of Final Fantasy VII, you will get the original game, which they lost the source code to, plus this special driver that was developed by this guy that you know connects the cloud and does the cloud saves, does all the extra extended stuff. But if you go to the forums for Final Fantasy VII modding, you'll find the other driver that we use that has like you can put in the full grown characters, you can you know make the screen resolution four times as large. You can so yeah, there's companies out there that that do do that that they don't have the original source code, but they have to port it over, so they'll. They, they'll patch on or glue on something to get it to run. Now, I don't know if, if, if GOG would be interested in the game again. Um, I don't even have it on Steam because, honestly, I ran out of funding and I didn't feel like spending $100 on upkeep for a, for a, a game on Steam that I really didn't want to socially support, you know? So, I mean, there's still life in it. I still have GitHub, and it's if, if I felt so inclined, if some other programmer wanted to, you know, take a peek at it. I can, you know, open it up for read only. I can't give out the source code because it's not mine, you know, but you know, if someone wants to like look at it, I, and I can look over their shoulder, making sure nothing's wrong, but that's where I'm kind of sitting at it right now. So, I mean, it's kind of a drag cause I'm talking about how great this game is, but it kind of just flamed out in a whimper, but that's, that's the, that's the thing of development sometimes, I guess. Well, I guess it opens up the next question then, which is like, what about the other games from that, same developer that kind of tie into this one the the contingency that i originally licensed the source code from was that i'm going to go ahead and take rules of engagement i'm going to see what i can do with it and if i can make it work then if if thing looks attractive to to the original owner then we'll negotiate getting breach which was uh it's actually the next program to link them together and right. then I think beyond that, because rules of engagement uses something called IGS, where you could actually run. There's another game you could call. There's another game you get called Breach Two, which is kind of like a um, uh, oh, what's that game? XCOM. It's an XCOM-like game. Yeah. So in yeah. rules of engagement, you can actually take over ships. You can link up to the ship and take them over. But if you had Breach Two, it would actually link in and then launch Breach Two, and you could actually do an XCOM game. Which take over that ship and then go back to rules of engagement. And the idea was they were going to have all different kind of components link into this game, maybe a cockpit simulator, maybe, a, you know, the breach for the Marines and then some other game to kind of take advantage of this gigantic data heap that the universe was generating, you know? Yeah, and we were talking about that the other night where it's, it's the issue of how rare is it yeah. that a developer makes two different games that actually snap together and, and create a bigger i can't and, think of another game that did yeah that did you drive the two programs and you know yeah that's exactly right other than being dlc you know well that, that I, I mentioned i mentioned last last time about silent hunter and destroyer oh yeah that's right i, I knew you had one that did it but i couldn't remember what the heck it yeah, was yeah yeah silent hunter i think it was silent hunter 2 and destroyer command could be linked together and you and like one person could play as destroyers that's exactly right as, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's kind of right, dissimilar. It's, 
stuff. Like, it's I mean, there's though. flight sims like the MiG-29 and F-16 from Nova Logic. Those those go together. I, I could have sworn yeah. also, like, that's kind of the same. Wasn't um, Eve supposed to be that? Like, with even Dust supposed to be like that? They that was loosely connected, so like the chat systems were connected, so it's almost kind of like, uh, I mean, there was some like chat system and economy stuff that were connected, but it's kind of more like Blizzard games are linked together by Blizzard. I mean, you're not really yeah. in the same thing. Well, the thing I know is that with with at least with Eve Online, is that the, the clock on that's only updates once a second, which means you can't use that for S- FPS in any meaningful way. That's why you can't even. That's why you can't even fly in the cockpit, so to speak, because the updates. It just universes just update that quick, you know. Well, yeah. not every, hmm. there there is actually a, there is actually a first person uh, mode for that game. Yeah, I thought it was like more like camera though. I I, I remember mm-hmm. playing it, it is, once yeah. and it was like yeah. So as yeah, you don't have the you don't you don't get the advantage like I do of being able to update the universe every fifty three milliseconds, you know. So, <laughs> but. So um, what- what were the biggest challenges you ran into? Uh, you've already mentioned a couple of things, like uh, what were the, the links? But as we were talking in Discord in our private message, you mentioned things like declarations and loops. Mm-hmm. Like, were some of the, were things like those the biggest challenges you ran into? The the one I had the 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 challenge I had the biggest as far as as architecture wise mm-hmm. was that loop was that was that was that interrupt that I had to emulate because. The game actually ran without it. It just wouldn't update the universe, right? And so it was oh. the perfect thing to put off. You're like, I'll just get more functionality in the game. I'll get more graphic functionality going in. I'll get the graphics looking a little bit better. I'll get the 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 state machine to work a little bit more efficiently. Because and the game's actually this, not like doing anything. It's not when, doing anything, but I can right. switch states back. I could go to one part or the other and pull that universe, the initial universe data. It just wasn't running. And so it, it came down to, you know, today and it was called, it's called the um, 3CH loop because that's the interrupt that gets called the uh, interrupt 3CH um, or 3C hex. Um, and it was just, um, it was, I always had it like to do, and it was like this big block in the code, you know, work on the 3CH loop, work on the 3CH loop. And I could not. <laughs> I just kept pushing it off until one day I'm like, I got to get this thing running. And so valiant effort, first try, I'm going to make it a thread and try to do spin locks. I tried to do locking and it just fell apart. And I'm like, all right, fine, (laughs) put it back, put it away. Let's make the state machine a little bit better, you know? And then finally I was just exasperated where I'm like, I can't get this thing to run, you know? And that's when someone, the helping hand came out and said, Oh yeah, I did this with a paint game a long time ago or a paint program. Long time ago, just you have to do this, this, and this. Just here, here, and here. No, which, add, which, like, which community did you lean on to find that information? It, I was, I don't remember. It was, like I said, it's a PCX editor. It's open source. It, it was no, on the a community, GitHub. the community at which you, through which you found that. What, oh, what was the um, community? I think I was yelling in the Allegro forums <laughs> about it. Um, and then someone gave me a link to this program and I found the program and got in touch and was like, oh yeah, we did that. This is how you do it. And so I did the people search- that are actively using Allegro today, mm-hmm. what are they doing? Are, are they using it for modern things or is this everybody that's back <laughs> hacking retro things? I, you know, honestly, to tell you the truth, it's, it is, it's obscure. It's gone to obscurity because everyone who wants to have like a nice cross platform 
graphic library usually uses SDL, which is the which is its which is complement. Um, SDL gets a nice cross framework, um, or uh, or something like that. Um, the uh, and but the problem with the reason why I couldn't use SDL is first I didn't know it. I've been using Allegro forever, and second of all, Allegro's in C, and I didn't have to worry about C plus plus bindings or anything like that. Right. Well, I just um, mean like the rest of the people. Like if if there's a hundred other people that are active in the Allegro community, what could they possibly be doing with Allegro? They make they there's a lot of a, a lot of people use it to learn programming. Um, hmm. a lot of it using use it to like kind of like learn frameworks because it's a great beginner's framework. Right. So if you can get get used to Allegro, you can move on to, you know, SDL and that, those type of frameworks as well. OpenGL. So it's like right. simple but well structured. It's very well structured, and it's and it's very dossy. I mean, I I really can't can't reiterate enough how how dossy all the functions are, <laughs> because it's just you the, the 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 functions like for page flipping. There's a page flip command. There's a there's a um. You know, palettes and when when you well, no, not in five and four you had palettes, but being able to you know play MIDI with it or playing you know audio, it's just they it, they're very simple, simple basic functions that you would have found in a Sound Blaster library or in a DOS Graphics.h library. I mean, they're very 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 simple. But you know, it's just a framework. You can do what you want with it, and it just it just fits normal, which is the library that you know kind of was in ROE, like a glove, where I could just a lot of times just swap one function for another, or just put a wrapper around it and have that function call this, which called Allegro, you know, kind of a deal. And you know, then with that one 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 C file updated, everything else just kind of started working. Because they all made normal calls. Because the rest of the game assumed that normal was always in memory. So as long as I could emulate it with Allegro or make you know a, a, an Allegro wrapper for it, the game just ran. Yeah. And it was it was it it it, it's, it was shockingly easy to get it to going. But then me adding all the stuff like getting the resolution to quadruple because I mean the 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 mouse only knows three twenty by two hundred. So if you click on a space, I've got to take what the actual resolution is and then divide it down so it equals you know, something in that 320 by 200 space, and did I click on the mouse? And another thing that I also added to the game, too, which is the big secret, is it actually has theme, you can theme it. So one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to put this on a touchscreen. And I actually have a, uh, I've played it on a Surface, and it runs awesome on a Surface, because you're just hmm. booping away with your fingers on the screen, right? But the thing is, is that I can't use L-Cars, because in the preceding years since, you know, Touchscreens became a thing. Paramount, the people who own Star Trek, are super litigious over someone making an LCARS interface on something, right? If you make an app with an LCARS interface on it, it gets C and D almost immediately because oh, really? they own, yes. Like the, they made the, a tricorder. for Star Trek were being jerks. <gasps> I know, right? Yeah. So I actually had to remove the LCARS theme from my theme. So I can put it up on Itch.io, right? And there's still some copyright iffy stuff in there. Like you can make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle alien um, in the game. And um, but the thing is, is that uh, you have I had to get rid of the L cars thing. So, but there's a theming system in there, and I actually implemented bitmap buttons because the buttons are actually just two color. You can only make them two colors in the original game. So you can, if you're quote unquote enterprising enough. Ugh. 
actually make a legit Star Trek simulator with this. You know, if you want to like be Captain Copyright Infringement, go right ahead. And you know, <laughs> all the the theme the theme system is there. The theme system works in the DOS version. Or I'm sorry, in the demo version too. So if you just want to play with the theming, download the demo version and play with the themes. There's a little readme inside the theme folder, and you can uh, uh, pick that up. I, I have like a, I have a video where I teach how the themes work and stuff. But it's like that was the thing where I wanted to make the themes as easy as possible because the graphics are kind of a hot mess express, and I didn't have UI graphic experience to I couldn't I couldn't update it because I don't have the art skills. Why one artist is great for characters and ships, the other artist, Maurice, he kind of became a screenwriter and hasn't really done art, you know, contemporary art in like 20 years. See, so, Hollywood screwing over space games again. Yeah. So, oh, so come on, Chris. He, he gave me ideas. I paid him for his time, you know, but a lot of the ideas looked cool. But then when I kind of set them up, it just, you know, if you take a look at the, like, what UI would look good for us today, like an Iron Man helmet UI kind of deal. The the semi-transparent, thin, neon kind of deal. I can imagine that. I can imagine someone turning it into a, a legit Star Trek interface. I can see it turning into, you know, but those are up to themers. And that's something I can't do because I can't obviously put Alcatraz back in it. But it's still, that's another one of its kind of cool things that's in it, but no one knows about. Like, you know, you did know there was a, the, the manual's there too. It's it's hanging out with the executable because we're also going to put it on their desktop. That that's clutter, right? Um, and, and things like that. So I don't know. But are you guys still there? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so so my question then mm-hmm. is: now that you have experience in in taking a, a game from the eighties, nineties, and putting a new uh, basically like a whole new wrapper on yeah. top of it or and getting then, it to run is the well that thing. that too but yeah. uh, the thing that hunter and i were talking is is like a lot of the the stuff that people are doing now um it's either just not a good design or it's a cool idea but they're overreaching and trying trying to like you know, hey, I'm going to make this giant open world crafting survival thing that never gets finished, right? Mm-hmm. But but we have so many games that were in the 90s that people like a, a bigger studio won't touch because they're like, oh, well, that game was already made. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, that game was made, but that game was made in like 1992. And there's like two whole generations of people uh, that never saw that thing. So or they say, or or you know, fans will ask for a remake or a re-release, and you know, the developers will be like, "You think you want that, but you really don't." Yeah, yeah. you guys got phones, right? And then, yeah, well, and yet, no. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, and yet somehow though, you know, even though Blizzard couldn't make it work within their own ecosystem, they still licensed Warcraft one and two and Diablo to be sold on GOG. So it's kind of People, the, the retro space is so alive, and there's there's a plethora of just these older games that are still hard to. I mean, with all with all the work that GOG and and we we give them praise because they're doing the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> when when you look at, I mean, really, where else are you going to get a digital re-release of Blade Runner? Uh, Come on, no, you know I know, I mean? well, it's well, amazing. That's the thing. Like, 
I want to have somebody, and I've reached out to Night Dive a couple of times. And I'm just not getting stuff back. So may, maybe, I don't know, man, do you know people over there in the, mm-hmm. in the like make retro shit work community? Maybe you can get one of these guys for us. Well, um, but I, I want to know, like, they grab this old game and then they got to make that shit work. And it's not always as easy as, oh, we just stick it in DOSBox and tweak DOSBox out. And I'm a DOSBox tweaking pro. It's like, no, no. There, there's sometimes things must be done, right? And and it's like, well, you know, like the say it was a 16-bit thing. Windows can't do a 16-bit display anymore. Like mm-hmm. you can't switch your desktop to it. Shit will crash. So <laughs> how do you get around that? How do you deal with like an installer that you can't install the game because it won't execute? You know, it's like, yep. oh, that's a 16-bit installer, SOL. Um, you know, just stuff like that. So then the other part, that I look at is games that were hot in the nineties and it's a solid, cool design, right? Like let, let's pick star crusader, right? Ugh. Remember that one, Brian? Of course. <laughs> okay. Love so that game. Could it, it, now we happen to know the guy that made star crusader. And if he had the source code, could you put a whole new graphics engine front end on that and yet still pass all the parameters back to the original code. So it's, it's kind of like you're putting a new skin on it, right? So it looks modern, but the guts are still that game from 1992 or 94 or whenever it was, because it didn't even, they didn't even have 3d accelerators back then. Right. So I, I think like those kind of games, if they came forward to now and could just get a facelift without, Happen to re, you know, it's it's like oh XCOM. Let's have a new XCOM. Well, they totally redesigned XCOM instead of just making a modern. Well, take take what the uh, take what the X what was the X Wing VM guys are doing. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're taking all of the old X Wing files and throwing it into Unity. Yeah, but they're using the mission files. But they've had to rewrite like all the logic in that thing. I'm talking about like. Uh, Leave the brain of the game alive, but put a new face on it so okay. that people can that, stand to look. That was that was my idea with mine too. But I mean, also yeah, there's also, I mean, when they did interviews with uh, when they were porting XCOM and they said, guess what? We're not going to have the micromanagement like they used to. We're not going to have you keep track of you know 32 movement points and you know all all of your bullets all at once. They they streamlined the interface, and though they made it a different game, you know, some can say it was for the better. Because oh, I, I, I you know. but, I'm, but what I'm saying is I can't play Star Crusader right now in 3D accelerated glory. And really, I would like to. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and honestly, the guy that wrote that thing, he could sell it again right now if it just looked like a modern game. But you can't give somebody a 320 by 200 <laughs> non 3D accelerated thing and, and say, here you go. So right. it was the source code <laughs> lost or is it owned by the publisher or? Um, no, he, he's, he's it. Um, but I don't know if he specifically has it or not, but I'm, I'm pulling him out as an example, right? Because that's like, that's a, that's a cool ass old game that we'll just never see anything like that again. Like we had him on the show. You should, you should listen to that one (laughs) in particular, because it was just like, he's telling us shit that that game did that we didn't even know that it did. And it's like, my God, it did what? Oh yeah, that, that's the thing about rules of engagement. Like uh, the the one of the things about the way the engine works is that, you know, the ships actually deal with relativistic speeds. Um, uh-huh. The ship itself can well, it doesn't simulate all of relativity, but 
your ship goes from like zero to well, depending on the engine, you can you can go to fractions of light speed, right? And your communications goes four times light speed, right? So that way it doesn't take 47 minutes to contact someone halfway across the solar system. Um, but it could take a half an hour, you know, if you're like on one side of the map to the other. Um, so the the actual communication packets are timed by the engine. So if you're if you're going like point something on speed and you fire out a fire out a communication, you have and it's like on the other side of the sun, you may have to wait 15 minutes for that reply to come back. If they're in an asteroid field, you're going to deal with interference. You'll see them fuzz out. If um, they're damaged, you'll see them actually get when the ships get damaged, the captains actually get damage you'll see like their their uniforms are torn and you'll see blood on their faces and you know that kind of stuff that you never really see in the game um so there's a lot of that's a lot of under the hood stuff happening even with with roe that's shockingly advanced the are the uh i i tipped out around the ai stuff i didn't want to touch it because and then thankfully i didn't have to because that stuff was scary, but it worked. You know what I mean? Um, I had to dive in there because I had a bug where um, if you fired a missile and saved and went back up again, it would explode. And I had to go in there to figure out why that was. It turns out it was a bug in the original game. You know, that kind of, that was frustrating. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's the kind of stuff that, that, that you deal with as well, is that they are massively more complicated than, than what you take it for. Yeah. Well, and that's what I mean is like, you know, if you if you get somebody that's like that can do the art and stuff, but they don't want to redesign all that, <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll just use the term air quotes, all that. Right. Yeah. Like everything going on under the hood. They don't want to deal with that, but they could put a new skin on it. Right. Like uh, yeah. w- what about like Diablo 2? Right. Like so. So Blizzard will just won't damn do it because they're stubborn. But you know, it's like Diablo one got on Gog, and mm. that's cool. But what about you know? Is there some way somebody could put a wrapper on Diablo two that'll bump the resolution up? See, the whole problem with that like though, that. too. The whole problem with that though is that, in my experience, especially with ROE, artists are not cheap. They really aren't. Mm. You know, and you, oh well, you- yeah. But I mean, I mean, in this, in this, uh, like, okay, whenever you look at a, an emulator like Mame. Right, mm-hmm. then they have they have the um, different Upscalers. filters that you can yeah. put on, right? Yeah. yeah, so it'll upscale, but it'll also like you know blur things or smooth things or you know what a thousand different filters you can throw on things. Yeah. So, is there a way like we could take a game like Diablo two, and then be able to say, okay, you know, it was six forty by four eighty, let's make that four X res, and then throw throw like a, a smoothing filter on it. So it looks good. And then you throw that back out on the market. Like, hey, here's Diablo 2, like HD, you know, you not could, completely you, redrawn, but I would, just took I would, what was there. I would point you towards the original Final Fantasy VI port to mobile and how they tried that and how awful it looked. Um, that was not a kind port to when they, yeah, that had like all kind of tiling problems and stuff yep. too, as I remember, but that's yeah. the, they, they took, they took the original assets. They tried to up, upscale and filter and, you know, on each individual tile. And it just, eh, it was not, <clears throat> it was not good, you Dark. know? And then that's, I mean, with my, like I said, my issue too, is, I mean, I have my theming systems free for the taking, man. If you guys want to do it fine, but you know, you're going to 
be kind of hard pressed to find an artist that, that doesn't want to get paid. Yeah. Or, or, you know, you're not going to, you have to find someone who has that Zen of, wow, I have a Star Trek engine. And I really don't want to say that because I don't want to make it sound like I'm incentivizing people to, to do copyright infringement, especially since I ported it, you know, but yeah. it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but whenever you feed in your thing, right? It's like I can change the look of the buttons, but I can't change where the buttons are. No, stuff, you can't right? change like, the buttons are. But yeah. that's kind of the charm of the game, though, is because it's very all cards like, and it does have a flow. It's just, yeah, it's you have to learn it, it. just for me though. Like I look at this game, and I'm and I'm like, wow, what the <laughs> hell is even going on? You know, a lot. Um, a lot honest, is going honestly, on. I think DCS from, for starships. You know, yeah. Well, I think from a marketing point of view, the absolute best thing you could do, because you're probably the most pro player of this game at this point, mm. um, would be do some Let's Play videos. Just be like, hey, man, this this is this game. This is how you play it. Mm -hmm. uh, because if, if I looked at it and had never seen it before, if, even when I look at it now, honestly, it scares the shit out of me. And I'm just like, I ain't got time for that. Oh, yeah, this is one of the so, things I, when I was doing research, people were telling me it's like, you know, this game requires a 220-page manual, and that's no joke, right? And nope. they're like, you know, oh, man, I remember manuals. They were the bomb back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, well, this one's got 220 pages. That's awesome. And then I had them play, and they're like, wow, this game's hard. And I'm like, well, I have the manual. It's the PDF. It needed, like, it needed, yeah, that's like that, manual. It needed that manual. It needed that manual. But there's like flavor stories in there and stuff too to kind of keep you keep it live and stuff. So it was kind of neat. But yeah, there. I mean, you have to let's turn to the the section on tactical and figure out how on earth I'm supposed to, you know, reload my missiles at a star base. You know, what's the well, protocol I mean, for doing even, that? Even beyond that, right? Like, okay, you just launched this game for the first time. What the hell is this? Right? Oh yeah, like, you you don't even know how to take, start like, the, the game. Yeah, because there, uh, you, you know, that is super weird, right? You have to make a commander. And then you make a campaign and then you take a mission and link it to the commander and then it still doesn't start. So then you have to go back to the commander select and then look at like existing missions because now you've made one. Yes. And, and then I, launch it. And I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, I, I never know. understood why I never understood why they did it that that kind of flow. Like, did you want multiple commanders? Doing multiple yeah, games yeah. at the same time? The idea is architecturally speaking, the idea is the system is modular. And you can you can actually trade missions, commanders. You, I'm sorry, you can't trade the cap. Well, you can, but um, the captain file, the mission files, the ship files, and the solar system files, and the enemy files can all be standalone. So if you make a really oh. cool enemy, you can send that enemy to your friend, and then they can use that enemy in their campaigns. If they make a really cool solar system, they can take that solar system and give it to their friend, and they can play that in that game. If they make a mission, huh. the missions wrap in the solar systems and the enemies in that one mission, and that makes that mission file standalone. You can give those to your friend, and they can mm. play those. So, well, oh my God. I mean, it, it, if you just <laughs> if you just did a video that was like, okay, we're gonna run, we're gonna make a commander link him to a mission, start the shakedown cruise, right? Yep. And, I, and we're just going to, and we're just going to fly the shakedown cruise and here's what the buttons do and stuff. And it would yep. probably, I don't know, a half hour. And that, that. that would have been, and that would have been part of the tutorial system that unfortunately I had to cut for time. There is yeah. a tutorial. There is actually a video player in the game that does tutorials and you actually have a tutorial selection screen. I just, 
I, it was uh, time versus money. I ran out of time. Yeah. I didn't have a chance to. Uh, I, well, doing I mean, leverage, like part of the leverage YouTube at this point, you know, yeah. it, because you have to get word out there that this thing exists. Right? I know. I know. And probably, <laughs> and probably the best way to do that is to make a video of like, hey, I, I put all this work into this and restoring this classic game. Let me show it to you. Right. I, I'll did, do it. I did. Don't I, show them the I, crazy. Don't show them like the crazy shit. But just like here's the basic basics. If you oh, no. buy this game, here's here's how to get your feet wet. Yep. I had now five actually, bucks. Here's where to buy it. Yep. Now I, what I've done is I've actually on my enterprise channel, the one that actually has the the viral video, I did post one of those. I did post a hey, I made a game and here it is and here's how it works and such like that. And I do have a tutorial that I made. It's not on my main channel though. It was just more for me showing off. You know, when I would post it somewhere, I'm like here's a game I made it. You know, here's the demo. And by the way, here's a little video so you can kind of see how the demo plays. And, you know, like by the time, I mean, after a year of development, honestly, to tell you the truth, I was like, I'm out of cash. I need a job. And and I, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's really sad that that's how that kind of wound up. And mm. right now I am now knee deep in Windows 10 system upgrades because Windows 7 died today. Oh, so, God, right. So now I know we have 2000 systems that I still have to upgrade at the hospital that I work at. Oh God. You know, I really don't have time. If it makes you feel better, Mm -hmm. I still have Windows 2003 servers. (laughs) What? Yes. Yes. We're we're trying to decommission them, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I do a game of the week every week and I didn't have a game set for next week. So now I do. I'm going to do rules of engagement using your port. There you cool. go. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that's actually one of the things, too. And you were talking about interfaces earlier. One of the things about the port as well is that um, there's a lot of paradigms that have modernized since that game came out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. pinched and you know, pinch to zoom. It's like the easiest thing in the world, right? And I don't know if anybody remembers the original Microsoft Surface uh, demonstration when it was actually a Surface, when it was like on a table. Right, yeah. and they were what? showing pinch and zoom as being, yeah, that's why it's called the surface because it originally was on a big table. Yeah, and, and I, sh- I looked at that thing and I was like, "That's going to be used for playing Dungeons and Dragons." Yep, and that's, <laughs> or maybe at the Pentagon. But yeah, or it. they were showing how they did the zooms with pinch and pinch and squeeze, and everyone's like, "That's kind of ingenious." And now it's like ubiquitous. You know, rules of engagement doesn't do that. Their zoom is different. It uses left click and right click, and you know, it's something where I. When I was looking at it, it requires two fingers. I don't have multiple touch input on the system, so it didn't get in. But, you know, that's that's kind of another caveat I was just thinking about, you know. So now that you it, – it's like you are very aware of the guts of what this thing's doing, right? Mm-hmm. And you could and you could kind of tear it apart and see, like, how, how the logic works. Yes. So my thought, my thought in this is for, like, project number two – is hmm. instead of doing a, a version that just like emulates this thing, you know, ports it, whatever. If you rebuilt this uh, as like a game that was actually, I don't know, I, I don't want to use the term MMO ish, right? No, but, but, but if yeah. it was a, if it was a web server that you could connect to, and then there's other players out there, and you know, it's like, hey, man, we're the federations. Those yeah, guys are the Klingons, yeah. and it yeah. updates like 
one tick a second kind of thing. And that, that's, that's, I mean, that's uh, one of the things I kind of fantasized about from time to time was um, since I have the engine, just ditch the entire like presentation layer altogether and do like a 3D like home world kind of, you know, mm-hmm. kind of view where you would have the space and 3D space, even though it's a 2D plane. Right, you know, but that's what I was asking earlier, though, is like, can you dump, can you just rip the presentation layer and replace it with something else, but leave the leave the brain of the game intact? The, the is problem, that a thing that you hey, can do with I'd have to practically rewrite the game, because like I said, the game itself is so strangely architectured with the fact that it doesn't have a main loop, right? Yeah. That's It's a state machine. And so the system is dependent upon the state switching going from screen to screen. So I could run the universe simulator, right, which it runs, but pulling that information is, is you know, the way its architecture is, it pulls information by changing its state. And that's just how it's built. And not without ripping out the whole... Part. I mean, it's kind of modular, but keep in mind it's also C, so it's not like I have objects that I can just, you know, right. redefine or or inherit. Inherit. There's no inheritance in this whatsoever. There's no the C. There's no there's no object oriented paradigms at all in it, which made it yeah, great it for me. Well be, it might as well be programmed in BASIC at this point, right? Eh, I, well, I mean, it. I mean, it's close. It's it's closer to the metal. <laughs> Right. Yes. But it's still it's it's like it's compiled. It's not interpreted in real time. But other than that, yeah, it's it's a very linear thing. So. Yeah, yep. It's a very well. I wouldn't even say linear. It's a very, you know, deck of cards kind of thing. Right. It's it's like a, um. Oh my goodness! Like hypercard back in the day. You could easily see it. I don't know if you guys ever used that before or not. But that hyper, like for example, um, uh, Mist was written in hypercard. That's where you change the state of it's a big it's a big state machine. You go to this, yep. puts up a new state, switch the switch, changes the state, plays a video, changes the state. That's that's kind of how it was. That's how they and that's how they did it back in the day. You know, and they didn't so have time to millions re-render. of copies and it was renowned <laughs> worldwide for years. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I had to step away for a minute. I'm not sure what you guys are talking about. I'm sorry. My cat was about to attack well, my desk. I apologize. You're, uh, you're fired, Brian. <laughs> so what are you guys talking about? Oh, just deficiencies. Pipe dreaming. Yeah. So, so like, if there was a... Okay, have you ever played um, Federation <laughs> Commander or Starfleet Battles or any of that? Like, No, I played... No, I, I mean, I, the last space game I actually played, well, besides this one, was, um, goodness, I, back in the day, Wing Commander. Um, what? I did, like, so, Elite back in the day. So, I mean, those are... Okay, because, like, Star, uh, Starfleet Battles is basically a, a tabletop war game mm-hmm. that is this. Right. Okay. So, you know, it's like, okay, where, where's my energy distribution? How, how am I going to like balance out my shields? Do I want to turn my weak shields away from the enemy? Yep. You know, my, my weapons take X amount of power to charge and yep. how many seconds. And, you know, so I, I need to time my maneuvering such that I'm not exposing my weak shields, but I want to have the weapons on target at the time that they're ready to fire at yep. the optimal range, things and like those, that. Right. Yeah. Right. That, that's all, that's actually all in, 
ROE, and you can also like balance your crews. So say like your damage, you can allocate certain crews to engineering and certain crews to yep. the um, navigation or certain crews to. So you can actually do crew management too on the fly right. while you're playing. So yeah, it's, that's all. That's all. But so, I, I, so my thought <laughs> is, if there was if there was a web server based game, right, mm-hmm. where you log into it and and there's like a fee monthly five dollars a month to subscribe to starfleet definitely not star trek online yeah. right yeah. like avoid all lawyers.com <laughs> um but you know it, but it's but it is a it is a a space captain game where you have a ship you know and say that the game the pace of it it actually updates one tick a minute Mm-hmm. Right. So you got time to sit there and think like, okay, where am I going to shift my energy allocation? How, you know, what maneuver am I going to put in? So then you, you have, you know, like if you, if you tell your helm, you know, like hard to starboard, then for the next minute, you're going to do that maneuver. So this is where you're going to end up at the end of a minute. And oh. then when the thing ticks, all players update. So everybody's orders that they've got keyed in go into effect that resolves for that minute and then you know start the next minute it sounds like and, that that'd be more indicative of a uh kind of like a uh, what's that civilization turn based deal where it's like everyone put in their turn click click next turn and then wait for everyone to put in their own or, deal um, right i mean but the thing is if it, if it ticks once a minute mm-hmm. then you don't have to there is no i'm waiting on everybody to hit next turn it's like the next turn is going to happen at the top of the you know when the second hand hits 12 we're next turn right um because because that's kind of like if you play warcraft like you know world of warcraft it also updates in ticks for all players right Mm -hmm. it's like i forget like how often you know like every two seconds five seconds whatever um so that that combat even though it looks fluid on the screen is turn-based Mm-hmm. It's just very rapidly iterative turn-based. Um, but I'm thinking like a Starship game that that ticked like once a minute. It gives you some time to think about stuff, right? You can allocate crew. You can do whatever. Because there's a lot. Like look, looking at rules of engagement, there's a lot of stuff you got to <laughs> think about, right? So so it's kind of like this gives you a minute to like adjust all your dinguses. Oh, yeah. When you, and when then... When you're in the heat of battle with ROE, I mean, because you know, it updates a lot faster, you know, you got like three three ships coming down at you and you've got to jump on tactical and, you know, it'd be kind of cool. Maybe even, I can even say there's actually already a game that does this, but, you know, we can give like one screen to one person and then you be the captain or whatever, but there's already a bridge simulator. Yeah, there's, like there's, there's several. Which is, which is a real shame yeah. because Spaz, the guy who's not here tonight, worked on one of those. Ah, <laughs> That's a real bloody yeah, shame. It's yeah, like Agarok or something like that. He did Quintet. Um, yeah, that's there one of them. The, uh, Thomas, who did the um, Artemis. Artemis, and, that's the one I'm thinking of. There's a couple, there's yeah. a couple others that, oh, there's Pulsar. There's Pulsar, sort of. Yeah, kind and of. I can't, yeah. I can't remember. Damn there's, it, the, the there, guy from Virginia. There's one more. Yeah, there's one more I can't remember the name of. But (laughs) not to distract the conversation further, but I just had it. I just I just had a a, an awesome thought of you know how okay, people who play flight sims, right? (laughs) Oh my god, it sounds like such a a weed idea. People have like flight sims, right? And they 
there's people who build like whole cockpits in their like basements where they can mm-hmm. play flight sims. Oh yeah, sure. Wouldn't it be interesting to like someone builds I don't know a shuttlecraft in their basement and they have the simulator where they can sit down or have a bridge in their living room or something like that where they, they can. They Some that. people have done that. Some people. Sorry, yeah. good. Yeah, I've I've seen an actual like it's a starship bridge that you know is made out of like plywood or whatever (laughs) and they they take it in a van to the convention and set it Ah. up and then each of the stations is there and they've got like a like a projection tv on the wall that's like the the bridge screen and then everybody's got their own console which is probably like a tablet that's embedded into you know whatever console they got so yeah yeah oh they're totally doing it cool yeah, that's that was just uh, toss it out there. But that's, I mean, like I said, the lifespan of this this particular, comp- car, uh, I mean, like I said, I've already done a post mortem on it. I've, I don't want to say it's out of sight, out of mind, because you know, obviously, I'm I'm talking about it here, but it's just. I'm just you know, looking at like you're so well versed in the mechanics <laughs> of what's going on under the hood. You should leverage that into something. Yeah, and and, maybe. and I want you to make well, what I want though. <laughs> so, <laughs> so get. <bit. laughs> yeah, my question well, was. Good. If you had another thirty grand, I could see what I could do for you. Well, well my question we was might be able to achieve something. <laughs> well, my question was, um, now that you have a regular job and an income, might yeah. you think about putting this on Steam? Is that a thought? Um no, I don't like the condition it's in right now. I honestly don't. Mm. I'm, I don't know if it's just me being the artist or what I mean, have you. The condition of Steam, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, it, it'll, oh. it'll get it's a hundred dollars to get lost in the shuffle. It's the, okay, their, it's their, fair. their indie their indie area is not that great and itchio is going to just be a place where i could like put uh like i was gonna like make it better and raise the price but itchio was just it was it's nice it's 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 not i'm sorry hold on do you do you call it itchio itchio isn't it is that what how you say it? i have no like, idea I call it itch.io. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the first. That's the first uh, pronunciation I've heard of it like that. We, we don't really say it out loud. Was like it caught me. We don't really say it out loud. It probably, it probably is something filthy in Japan. We probably don't itch you. We don't really say it out loud. Because it was uh, yeah, I threw it out there because it was free and it, it gave me everything that I needed and it was cheap, right? Personally, and I, I personally think it's a great place for it. I think itch.io. Oh, itch.io is wonderful. Yeah, we love. Itch.io, whatever you call it. <laughs> I'm gonna call it itchio from now on. Itchio. <laughs> I just I just looked up how do you pronounce it? And someone did a poll. Someone did a poll on Twitter. And Probably the people that made it don't even know how to pronounce and, it. And itchio itchio-itch-ee-o won the poll. So oh. <laughs> so there you go. Itchio. It does sound like a it does sound like a Pokemon or, or something. It, 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 <laughs> I choose you, Ichio. <laughs> does it really does? Yeah, on a, honestly, um, I'm I'm gonna ping some of the people that that I, I don't know a lot of people in game press anymore. But this is an article that needs to maybe happen, right? Is like a written interview with Yeah, this is a journey, on, man. I mean I'm PC glad we gamer tech raptor I'm, something like that. I, I mean I'm oh, glad you know, we were you know able where, to dude oh, you know where it needs to be. It needs to be on Gamma Sutra. That's where it needs to be. Oh you can developer talking to developers and, and you like, can write hey, your own stuff there, right? Brand adventure. Like, you can yep. Yeah, that's a good. That's I, a very way, good suggestion. That's a very good suggestion. When I was 
when I was developing the program too, I was by the guy who um the guy Thomas, like I said, Tom Tom, the guy who actually owns the source mm-hmm. code, the guy who's the president of of, of uh, Omnitrend, he sent me the, to GDC. You mean the guy that you're gonna get on the show for us? <laughs> I've had him on the we had him on the show like years ago, him and Maurice. Oh, yeah, they're we? both on the show. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. You couldn't make it. It was a weird time issue, and I had to take the day off. Uh, for some reason, for some, it's time to tell the world about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Why the hell not? Man. I'll reinvite them back on. We maybe we can get the three of you together. Why not? No, would- you know, you know what? You know what will happen? Tom will like be like, so uh, why haven't you been answering my emails? I'm like, um, <laughs> oh no, I've been busy fixing <laughs> the, the game, the, the, inter, the intervention podcast. <laughs> You know, he hasn't been answering like, mine either. People like I've had about half a dozen people ask me, "Do you know if they have that rules of engagement to dev kit?" I'm like, "I'll ask," and nothing. So I yeah, don't know. No, it was it's just it's just what happened was after I after I what happened was we we at the end of everything when I got employed, I actually talked with Tom and I said because the whole idea with it for it to start off with was it was no obligation to him. He loses nothing. Right. And that's kind of how I wanted to have it, where it was no danger to him. I get the source code. I get to have my playground. So at the end, we did do a postmortem. And I'm like, you know, this is what happened. I'm done. I'm out of cash. It's on itch.io. This is what the numbers look like. I sent it off to him. And then I was like, all right. And then that's the last I heard of it. I still have the GitHub for it. Can I I go to the Git and actually clone it and look at um, it? It's private. It's private right now. I can probably invite you, but I would ask not you to release it to anywhere. Because uh, well, that, that's what I was going to ask: is like, can can you make it public domain? No, I can't. Point? That's it's not my it's not my code. I licensed it from Tom, so mm. you'll have to ask Tom if that's if that's viable or not. And and like I said, I kind of I did my part of it. We did a postmortem, and I kind of just have it hanging out in my collection. I guess is the best way I can put it. It's probably yeah, a great cool. resume builder. If it nothing, is, if nothing um, else. Yeah, and I, like I said, if, if, if it was for like me being knee deep in IT stuff, because the thing was like when I ran out of cash, it was like it was getting pretty tight too. I mean, like I said, I live in Southeast Wisconsin, and there's not really a lot up here, so I was. Uh, it was kind of a point where I was like, oh, I gotta get some players, and I actually work three cities away or two cities away. Um, and so it was. It was just kind of those things where I kind of needed to spare the moment to get things going. So I'm I'm a contractor now. So and that's not forever. So I could probably be out in the market again. So I don't know. It's 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 up to me. To, I I don't know. I, I it gives me a lot to chew on. Let's put it that way. Well, we're not as big as say Gamma Sutra or anything, <laughs> but hopefully, a little exposure will get some sales. Are from up from from this uh, mm-hmm. outlet at least. But nice. yeah, you, you need I, a GDC talk. That'll, yeah, that'll. Dad, do you know how expensive those are? Those are. Oh I my god! Can only imagine. I can only. Uh, I mean, just go, they're just they're going. Extra. Just going yeah, to GDC I is expensive. You. No, they're about. They're a couple grand. Oh, you have to pay to talk to there. Yeah. Why? Yeah, that, that's, that's okay. TED talk then. We'll <laughs> it's a TEDx. <laughs> yeah, this is no. my TEDx. Yeah, but I, I, when I went there, I got to meet. When I, it was amazing when I went to. It was. Um, I don't know if you guys ever been to GDC. No, I, I wish. Oh yeah, yeah. So I go there, and it's like it's one of the one of the. It's a weird thing because you meet up with developers who are like, you try not to fanboy around sometimes when you see mm, them because mm, mm, it was mm. 
it was real, it was funny because I was sitting at a I was sitting at a table once, and this is how ignorant I was. I don't know if I was just sleepy or what, but I'm sitting around the table and I'm looking at everybody's badge, and you know I see this one guy. His name is blah 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 Frontier uh, Software, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I know this, I know this company. He's like, yes. And I'm like, wait, I know this. There's the game you made, and I'm thinking about this game, and I'm, I'm thinking of Elite Two from from uh, the Amiga, right? Hmm. And hmm. so all I see is like I just see the Frontier logo rolling over, but I don't remember the name of the game. So I'm like, wait, I know this. You hear this game on the Amiga? It's it has Frontier. It's in 3D. It was all in 3D. Da 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 da. He's like, yep, that's the theme song. And you made what? What is that game? And it's like. Dude, Elite Dangerous just came out, and here I am, like, fumbling over the game they made in the 90s, right? <laughs> and so it just amused him to no end. You know what? And the I was game like, you were fumbling about is the better game. Let's just be honest. <laughs> it's the better oh, game. Yeah. Front, frontier First <laughs> yeah. Contact. Got it. Yeah. It's like, what about the thing we're making now? Yeah. I, 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 don't, I had yeah, no idea. Know. That- <laughs> I know. I, I, if they would have said elite, I would have been like, oh, and that's actually that's how it went down. Is all of a sudden he's like, wait, you guys made elite, yes. Like the new one that came out, yeah, that's us too. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> hey, they just got a postage stamp over in the UK. Cool. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, so that's. But I, I went there and hung out with. Uh, you know, there, there's some talks. I, I had the the four hundred dollar ticket, so I couldn't go to all the big big talks. But you know, I did a few about you know game marketing and you know, all the inside business stuff so it's if you ever have an experience if you ever have a chance to go i would recommend it it's just i want to go the tickets are a bit pricey i can this year because i don't have an actual job so there's no reason (laughs) i really can't i wish i wish that they had like a up in frisco right yeah right yeah it's just the tickets are 400 bucks that's the that's kind of the the bummer of it yeah so yeah yeah that ain't but i (laughs) <laughs> is it? But you know, you get in, and it's you. You get make contacts, and you know. If you ever get a chance to go to GDC, though, I one of the things I have to recommend: make business cards. Have to go with business cards. If you go with no business cards, it's it's a waste of time because you have to get your name out there, and you swap route and 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 meet all the people and get your name out there. That's what I was trying to do at the time, and I met up with an artist. He helped with the game a little bit, but uh, like I said, in the end, you know, it was an experience and. And now it just it sits and waits and hopefully may flower one day. But I guess it's I guess it's up to me. <laughs> well, if you want to go to the summits, it's nine hundred and forty nine dollars. If you want to go to the summits, if you, if you just want the the expo, if you just want the expo itself. Mm-hmm. Two hundred dollars. Oh, OK. Yeah, that but that's the expo. have a happy but ending. But that yeah, for GDC, if it's two hundred bucks, but you don't get any of the talks, though, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. The um, if you want to get into sponsored content, which I'm not entirely sure what that is, um, if you want to get into sponsored content, that's three hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah, that's about right. That sponsored content is when the companies like the Unity, the company that makes Unity, uh, Unreal. Wait, no. Um, that, that's where the companies, Microsoft will have sponsored content. Well, Microsoft will make a special talk about Azure. And you will go to that talk and Microsoft will talk about that product for you. Mm. Um, one of the things, actually, one of my, one of my favorite GDC stories is um, Microsoft had a booth there. And um, one of the things about Visual Studio uh, 2015 is what I was using at the time, um, is that this is like 
developer inside baseball um, is Visual Studio 2015 could not do Unicode, right? If you tried to put a Unicode character into your code, it was, we have something called string literals. So if you did like, you know, quote, and then like a Japanese character and an end quote, Microsoft Visual Studio will say, this is the wrong code page. Please save it as UTF-8 or something like that. Now, code pages are something from DOS. Like, that's not even POSIX. That's a DOS thing that Microsoft never, ever dropped. And I'm hmm. like, this is stupid because people make applications with emoji in them now. And you can't put a string literal with an emoji in it and you're doing mobile development. That's bad, right? And so I actually went to the developers. I went down to their bot. I went to their booth and I said, hey, guys, do you know that you can't save like UTF-8 string literals in a code because it complains it's in the wrong code base because you default to like Latin 1? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I then they they pulled up a copy of it and I typed in, you know, printf string heart, you know, like a little emoji heart string. And then, you know, pressed enter. And it was like immediately like, hi, you need to change this to UTF-8. And I'm like, do you know how annoying that is that I have to bake all my code? And then when I load it in UTF-8, it complains that it's not a text file. And they actually pulled over the team lead for Visual Studio to look at it. And it turns out she took one look at it. It's like, oh, yeah, we fixed that in 2017. Or, or yeah, uh, yeah, in 2017. So don't worry about it anymore. But it was still like a thing I got to complain to him about. <laughs> so, you know. Anyway, I don't know. I just, oh, you can register story. as press as GTC. Maybe I'll do that. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it at least. They don't let me in. I'll think about it. But that's a good idea because <laughs> I'm I'm trying to do this side business where I help game developers market their games better. Um, oh well, gee, it sounds like you need a customer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> huh. Huh. <laughs> well, you only got you only got twenty nine thousand eight hundred dollars to help him work. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah, we should probably start wrapping up. Um, but yeah. folks, I, I was I was looking about yeah, looking forward to what games are you playing because I oh, have some we can gems. talk about that if you want. We don't always do that, yeah, totally. but we. Uh, what what are you playing? What if what are you playing right now? See now, here's the thing. I play obs- I I grew up in Japan, mm-hmm. so I have the ability to read uh, Japanese. Oh, and wow. I play Whoa. some super super obscure fun Japanese games that just are not that are really off the wall, and some of them that are like so awesome. I really kind of kick myself for not thinking of it first. There's mm-hmm. two. There's one called, well, it's a Korean game. I played the Japanese version of it because it came out on PlayStation 1 back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it's called Tomac Save My Earth. It Ooh. is a game. It is a dating sim where you date a head in a flower pot. And, you know, you basically, like, you know, buy her hats and jewelry and put her on a shelf and water her, I guess. And, you know, it's kind of like a cross between a dating sim and a Tamagotchi where you, you know play with traits to make her as happy as possible how, or else how long ago was this put out oh <laughs> this game was came out in the in the mid night late 90s i guess okay because wow. I, I was curious like when did the dating sim boom start and that, oh, that sounds like, like this, early on 
Well, this is also Japanese. This is a Japanese game. Japanese dating sims are still a thing. You can still get Tokyo. Well, oh no, no, I I know. I'm in, I'm well versed in hateable <laughs> boyfriend and, and you know tentacle dating simulator and. Well, this is wholesome. Oh, this one yeah. is where where if you the 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 idea is the the the, the well, premise on, of the game. Put a wholesome in that because because well, it's just a head in a flower pot. Yeah, but, so, but I mean, I mean, just like I didn't realize that the dating sim genre predated Mom, Dad, it's like, a daisy. I, I, I thought that I thought that it was not like a a super recent thing, but like fifteen years ago. No, I like was that, playing was the- Toki I played Tokimeki Memorial on my PC and my TurboGrafx sixteen when I lived in Japan. So Well damn. <laughs> That's a- what hang hang out after the show. I want to talk to you about Japan. Okay, and cool. And the but, and the other yeah. game that I've played besides Tomax A by Earth, which I kind of picked up out of nowhere just because it's fun, um, is a okay, this is obscure, but it's been by a very famous company. It is called Another Mind, and it is a text adventure live action FMV game from Squaresoft. So I don't know if that that wraps. I'm I'm trying to put those things together in vision. So how do you have FMV text adventure? Because it comes with a parser that's phenomenal. It is a it comes with a text the, the, the premise of the game is that you wake up as a voice in this girl's head. No reason, just immediate rest, you're in this girl's head. And she comes and says, Hi, who are you? And it's dark, and you have this little, a little girl, a, a live-action girl, animate like video in the corner, and she's like, "Hi, who are you?" And you give your name. What do you do? You oh do yeah, your this job. came out in '98. Yes, and um, it, what you do is it's a mystery where you're trying to figure out why you're in this girl's head and how to get out of it, and. It's really awesome because in the first part of the game, she like ignores you. Like there's like this voice in your head. I'm not listening to you. I'm not talking to you. I just leave me alone. You're like, hey, what's you know? Because after that whole scene, she wakes up in the hospital. Is this like where they got the idea for like being John Malkovich? I don't know, but um, put it in the green room. Yeah, you wake you wake up. She's in the hospital, and then at night you're like, hi, how's it going? She's like, oh my god, she freaks out and runs away, and then like on day three, she's finally like in. She finally accepts you and then you're like going to school and she's like hey what's the answer to number four on the test you're like metacardia is the powerhouse of the cell thanks what's the answer to number four i'm not doing this anymore you know it's just that kind of dialogue back and forth and you have full-blown sentences that you communicate to her and she communicates back to you and it's just it's weird and it the problem is is it's entirely in japanese so you can't it, it, it it's la- it's largely lost in American audience, but the fact it's made by SquareSoft and they got Ooh. like famous actors in it and just you know it was really kind of a it was a fun game. It took me a while to find it too, but that's Ooh. the other that's and those are the type of games I play obscure weird like you know. See, I thought Sea Man was the weirdest game. <laughs> no. Yeah, so if you ever get a chance, you know we can you know maybe see someone do a playthrough of another mind on like i don't know uh nico nico or something which is like japanese youtube 
So you, um, so you're currently playing these games? Is this like what you're currently? Playing? Uh, on a, yeah, it's on and off. It's you know, I uh, just do it to kind of de- decompress or to practice my Japanese. Which so, well, I was going to say that's your next viral video is you do a playthrough of another mind and translate. <laughs> so you, you just narrate while you know it's while they're talking, right? Because it's it's very text heavy. Mm, it is. Now, I kind of wish I could translate it, you know, but it's it's. I've done some. I've done some. You know, because I like I did the reversing of Final Fantasy VII, and um, so I, I did some 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 initial treks into the data files, but uh, it it's just the fact that it's a branching, you know, multiple ending, you know, adventure game. It's it's it, there's too much scripting in it. Is what the problem is. It's a, it's very scripted. For if input hmm. equals this, then this you know this yeah. thing. So well, I mean, if you could get in and just like swap. <laughs> kanji out for for english the actual english yeah but it's all it's all embedded in the scripting it's 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 wicked but uh, so it's not it's not (laughs) like they just have like a a big page of language that you can just swap out no it's all hard-coded in there because i mean who else was going to play the game besides japanese right right it was not there was there was definitely not designed for for a foreign market which is it's i mean it's a fun it's a it's a neat story i mean because you have to figure out who you are and, you know, when the, the attempts to try and get you out and, you know, there's a time where she's, <laughs> there's a, there's like a scene where she goes to a psychic. She wants to get you, she wants to prove to somebody that there's a voice in her head. And then the psychic's like doing all this woo woo crap. That's not really doing anything. She's like, this is not working. Is it? And you're like, Nope, not at all. And she's like, this is completely wasting my time. It's like, yep, it is. And then she does some one thing. And next thing you know, she shows up on your icon and you click on her and you're like, hi. And she's like, Oh my God. God, it just freaks out because there's this voice in her head now, and it's you know it just plays to all these stupid, stupid story tropes, and it's just amusing as heck. You know, then it's you know you're in a 16 girl, the girl's like 16 years old, so of course you have like the scene where she goes to the bathhouse, and you're like, oh, I'm coming to the bathhouse. It's like, yeah, and you, and she puts the towel around her head so you can't see anything, and you're like, well, that's not fun at all, you know. God, that's funny. Now, now it makes me want to play. It. I was going to say, sounds sounds Japanese. <laughs> it's it's like I said, it's interesting. So, anyways, those are the games I'm playing. Jim, what about yeah, you? That, what are you that, playing? That sounds. Uh, I'm I'm back on my Monster Hunter. Oh, because they just had that. Um, the, yeah, Iceborne uh, just came out, but I'm not ready for Iceborne yet because no, it's no, been no. about six months since Should I played. Tell them. Tell them what you did. What? What do you mean? What did you figure out about Monster Hunter? Like, tell. Oh, them what you did so in, so I went the through spreadsheet that you made. Yeah, yeah. There's some spreadsheets that were made. Basically, uh, so the game, it's a Capcom game, right? Capcom also made Street right. Fighter. Okay, so imagine Monster Hunter is actually Street Fighter. Okay, so it's like, well, how do you do a dragon uppercut? How do you do a Hadouken? You know, these things. So the same kind of mechanic goes on, but it's also a timing thing, kind of like a Dark Soulsy game. So it, it's like, I have to use like the combo stuff. You know, it's like hit Y, 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 B and Y, right trigger to do a move, right? But I also have to time that move and I have to be aware of what the monster's doing because the monster has a pattern that it does. But the pattern isn't really simple because it's contextual. Like if I interrupt him or 
if I'm positioned different, he'll do something different. So it's not always like, oh, I know after he roars, he always jumps to the left. Unless you're standing on the right side and then he might do the other thing. But what if you observe the monster enough, and that's why it's a hunting game, right? Because you actually have to pay attention to these things and how they act. Um, you get to know them and then you're like, okay, well, if he does, if he gives his tell that he's about to do a tail slash, I need to not be where that tail is going to come. And because I've played the game a lot, I know the range of the tail and I know, a, a, you know, like here's, here's the, the deadly zone that I should not be in. Right. And then if he's going to do this tail thing, I have the option to not be there, but I also know that, well, I've got the long sword and if I do a spirit jab followed by a spirit slash, he'll do a back step. And then when he steps forward and does the slash, I'm invulnerable. So if his tail passes through me at the same time that I do that slash, I'm not going to get hit by it. And he's going to take a massive shot, stuff like that. Right. But in order to even begin down the journey of that stuff, you have to know what the hell the moves are. And there's 14 weapons in the game. Even though you're the same character all the time, when you pick a different weapon up, it's like changing from um Ryu or um Blanca or you know um Chun Li, right? It's it's that radical of a change in how the game plays because all the buttons do new stuff, right? All the combos hmm. are different. So so every weapon is like a, a character. So it's like, well, I'm I've decided, okay, I'm gonna learn how to be really, really good with the longsword because I know a couple of those moves and I know how to get that invulnerability couple of frames in there that I can get away with stuff, you know? Um, and, and it sheaths pretty quick cause you have to put the sword away a lot um, because you can't like dodge and stuff and you can't like eat your health potions and things like that. If you have your sword out. So it's, it's best. Like if you're not swinging, put the damn sword away and then you have all your other options. Right. But it takes a while to learn that stuff. So I sat down with, uh, with Excel last night and I sat here for a few hours, like going through all of the moves for all 14 weapons. And I made like a big ass spreadsheet, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I have the long sword and, and it's like, B is this attack. Why is that attack? B and Y is this attack? Right. And, and it's like the game tells you some of it, but some of it you have to kind of figure out by button mashing and seeing what happens. Um, so it's that kind of thing. And then it's also like, oh, if I do Y, 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 B and Y, he'll do this move. And then if I follow that up with like stick down and hit A, I get a combo out of that. Oh, okay. Well, I've discovered that. Let's put that in the spreadsheet, right? So now I've got like this giant ass spreadsheet of Monster Hunter stuff, but it's it's not the new moves that are in the in the Iceborne expansion necessarily because they added a, a whole slew of new crap in that. So I'm about halfway there now. Um, but now I can sit there and I have this open on my other monitor and it's my cheat sheet, right? Like when I'm fighting a monster, I can glance over there and be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that combo. Let me see if I can make that work. Hmm. So yeah, it's been a... Um, but the game, it's been very humbling because I was kind of good at it. I, I wasn't super good at it, but I was like, I beat the game, but 
I didn't feel good at the end of it. Like I've mastered this game. I was just more like, wow, I actually managed to get lucky and beat this thing. <laughs> you know, because if, if you fight a monster enough times, you'll eventually beat it, but that doesn't mean you can go back and beat it again. You know, it will. Um, so I've started back at the beginning of the game and, and I'm just fighting the early monsters with the early weapons and trying to like get my head around this whole combo system thing that I kind of missed before. Cause it's like, I'm okay with some of it, but I watch YouTube videos of people fighting stuff and they'll kill a monster in like 30 seconds. It takes me 15 minutes. And, and it's just like, okay, I have no idea how that guy did all those things that he just did. And the precision of his placement, he's in the right place at the right time and at the right distance from the monster and his timing was right. And he just got this crazy combo and, you know, and I'm watching these people like they, they just, they fight the monster on their terms. They're, they're not like just trying to survive it. Right. <laughs> so I want to be, I want to be that guy. If, if only with one weapon, right. Cause if you get good with one weapon, it'll carry you through the game. Um, so I'm trying to get there. So yeah, there was a lot of spreadsheet that went on last night. So my cousin did the spreadsheet thing with this guy at once. Oh God. Oh wow. Oh my God. I, that must've been the biggest this guy, spreadsheet. This guy is a Dude, freaky game, man. It's such a freaky game. I've only uh, played the, it on the, the DS, part, but oh my god! Dude, the best part of Disgaea is the game actively requires you to cheat. You know, what? it's like you can make a move and do damage, and then you cancel that and like rewind your move, what? and then move again. Yeah, it what? totally does that, man. You can you can cheese the shit out of that game, and in fact, it it rewards you. What? It's it's completely exploiting the undo system, and yeah. I'm no pro at it, but I played it enough to just be like, oh, yeah, I can undo a move, but the guy retains the damage that I did. What? And then I can move again and hit a different guy. I was like, what? And I'm like, this game's broke. And it's like, oh, no, actually, you're an evil demon and we cheat. That's how we <laughs> Oh, gee. <laughs> well, uh, Hunter, what are you playing? Oh. What am I not playing? That's the well, you beat Star Wars. That was kind of you know, yeah. Uh, I beat all of Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Every game, especially <laughs> Super Bombad Racing. Super Bombad Racing. Well, no. So last, uh, not last Sunday, two Sundays ago, I, I, as you guys, some of you might know, on Sundays I do a Star Wars stream on my Twitch on my Twitch page, um, where I do nothing but Star Wars stuff, Star Wars content, just for you know fun chat and play games um i'm mostly i'm an old school star wars fan so um while the new movies are uh flashy and entertaining uh, i like the old stuff more so i finished up kotor one uh two sundays ago and then this past sunday i started up kotor two and i'm doing um i'm gonna play through the whole thing and i've never played through kotor two before so i've only played through like maybe the first like hour or so of the game. And I'm already past where I've ever like remembered playing in this game. So um, it's a, it's a new fresh experience. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, that's uh, what else am I playing? Oh, we did a play test of in the black uh, Jim and I did in the black this last Saturday, which is the Ooh. starfighter Inc game. Uh, uh, wow, Jack right? How guys, is it? They did a. They did a, Um, it's it's interesting. Like they, it, 
I'm if, if I'm gonna be brutally honest, I as much fun as I had, and and uh, I was kind of surprised to see where it was at after all of these years. Um, I felt like there should have been more going on. Um, yeah, it's like but, we can see the potential, but it's it's gonna be a while before that thing's like ready. But so, it's uh, yeah. they they have a foundation. I mean, they right. definitely they definitely have some stuff going on there, and I, I appreciate the flight mechanic of it. Um, I am I know that they're adding in different play styles, so I mean they're going to have different varieties of multiplayer. Um, but my concern, and this, and Jim and I were talking about this briefly earlier on the show. My concern for it is is lack of content. Um, it's kind of like Infinity Battlescape came out, and Infinity Battlescape is beautiful. Great control mechanics, lots of like potential there, but the the entirety of the game is just one giant battle arena uh, for control of dominance of a solar system. And while that can be fun, it just like that can last hours. Right, and there's no advancement to it. There's advancement yes. in the in the mission, but if you come back tomorrow you start at zero again. So right. it's like, like well, what no am I grinding? Personal reward. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. So it's kind of like the elite dangerous effect where it's just like, there's, there's stuff to do, but I, like, I mean, uh, on what level of stuff are we talking about here? Like I can fly around and I can explore and I can mine and I can shoot NPCs and I can shoot other players. Okay. Um, so, I think in the black definitely is in the right direction. And I definitely think that they, there's potential there, but I, I definitely am a little surprised to see where it is. Um, considering how long it's been in development. I, I feel like there should be a little bit more going on. Um, well, they kind of, they kind of fell into the black for a while and like, well, and I, and I had the thought about that, right. Cause they're, I don't think they're doing this full time. Um, I, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Because uh, Westman, like he's you know he's uh, he teaches and um, I think Jack does some other stuff too. So I mean I'm I'm pretty sure they're not doing this full time. So I can understand um, why maybe it's taking longer. But again, Starfighter Inc. You know we heard about that several years ago. So at this point, um, but you know good for them. But yeah, I think that's uh, roughly about. I, you know, I'm still dipping into Star Trek Online from time to time. Um, it's weird because you know, real life has kind of hit me hard in the sense that like my my day job is considerably draining right now, um, which is everything that's kind of going on. So um, I know I that home, feeling. Yeah. So <laughs> like, so like when I come home, like I want to play something, but at the same time, I kind of just want to like veg out in front of the TV and do nothing. Um. Yeah. I'm shockingly have been getting in more into like exploring the mobile space uh, hmm. and, and, and tapping into uh, what I can do in between different things with like mobile experiences. Um, so like I, I carry my Xbox controller with me and it's got the clamp on it. And so I can whip that open and I've got uh, where I live. I've got really good internet to home. So, I mean, I can stream my Xbox. I can stream my PC to my phone. Um, and I am like, I am the IT god at my job. I, I run, <laughs> I run the entire infrastructure. So, I mean, I've, we've got really great internet there. Um, so it's, uh, it's 
kind of one of those things where I, I can kind of do almost any and everything from where I'm um but yeah i want to dive into um I, I dabbled not too long ago a little bit into gothic armada 2 with jim mm. um ex- exploring that 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 game in battlestar galactica deadlock and battletech i i want to talk to these developers about one specific thing that really frustrates me about all of those games what's that is that they is that they have multiplayer they do not, however, have cooperative like like unless you're doing it against other people. So there's no real PVE or like co-op PVE. It's all straight verses, and I that's fun up to a point, but I think it can really lack creativity and like experimenting because if like you're trying to maybe play with a friend you can only play against like other players real players you can't like take time to like maybe throw in some like weaker npcs and then try some just ridiculous combination it really puts a lack of like uh diversity in gameplay uh when it comes to playing with other people which is why I'm actually really excited about the fact that uh, the MechWarrior mod tools have finally come out for MechWarrior 5, and I'm really kind of curious to see what players do with that. And with There's already a mod to fix the spawn issues, by the way. That was within hours. People were like, (laughs) spawns are fixed. It's like, okay, okay, thanks, PGI. How come you didn't fix this in two hours? How do you download download mods? Um... Like there's no I'll Steam have to Workshop. Look and see where they're oh. putting them. It's probably like up on next. That's oh, where geez. I would expect. Um, <laughs> yeah, which <sighs> is which is actually not a hard thing to use, in my opinion. Yeah. But the 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 other thing too about that is Jim and I were talking about this the other night. Speaking of Mech Warrior, there's been some crazy developments with the stuff going on with the guys developing Mech Warrior Online. I if I was a betting man, and I'm not, mm. but if I was, I am. And, and uh, Jim definitely is expect to see Mech Warrior Online not be alive for too much longer. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. I mean Ru- Russ has already yes. said <laughs> it's not a profit making game. They're losing money on it. So well, and here's what I they need to do. For the love of God, here's what needs to happen: is is bring back like traditional multiplayer style games where like you can do um, servers like Capture the Flag or um domination or objective based like multiplayer where you can actually customize the multiplayer experience rather than just being like online servers where it's just you're you're fighting for territory control or or for or god's defense. sake take it back to take it back to 8 versus 8 instead of forcing a 12 versus 12 cuz the population's just not there now like oh, yes. if, if if we if if hunter and i got together joined a party and then we hit the we hit the like join a game button right Mm. we will sit maybe for five to 20 minutes waiting because it for some reason they're matchmakers and that's the goofy thing about that too is it's like you could be you know you do a round you wait five minutes you do another round wait five minutes you do another round wait 30 minutes yeah, and it's and it's round, only five minutes. And you're like, but it's, on. if you go in and drop alone, you'll get in a match within three minutes. But if it's just two people together, 
forget it, right? You get four people, mm. forget it. So it, it's the only way to do it is play as a single person or have a full 12 man team. Yeah. And then you have to hope that there's another 12 man clan that's on. Otherwise you'll never get match made with anybody because it won't just put you against 12 random people. It's freaking stupid. So then they put in <laughs> the Solaris thing, which is an arena fight, you know, two V two or one V one. Nobody's playing that. They wasted like a year of dev time making a thing. Nobody does. Um, and then there's the community warfare thing, which like a lot of the, the people that are still like the dedicated players, whatever um, they're playing the, the map war mode instead. So that, that further divides the community in half, but it's not a good mode. It's it sucks. So what they need to do is do it like the battle tech harebrained schemes game where you have like the big map. Right. And then, you can pick what planet you're going to be at and then you just fight whoever's there. Right. And then the territory control could flip back and forth specifically what Chrome hounds did on the Xbox, right? You push the battle lines back and forth on the map, but still like if I go in and I want to queue up for a community warfare thing, I might be there a half hour trying to find a match because I'm not in a pre-made clan thing. And nobody, I have a clan that I play with, but nobody wants to play the community war shit. They just want to jump in and drop and do whatever. So, um, and then when Russ, it was back in like October or so, and he did an, an AMA and was like, yeah, we're, we're not making money on it anymore. You know, cause, and, and they're not making any new mechs ever. They're, they're done with that. Um, so that's their sales stuff. Right, because that's where they completely generated all their money. It was like, "Hey, pre-order this Mac; it's coming out." Well, they're not making any of those yeah. anymore. So, what I what I would like to see is in Mech Warrior Five for them to add traditional multiplayer into that. I'm oh, also, what al- you know, also, Mech Warrior Online is, but like traditional multiplayer. Yeah, and the big sign right was Phil and Darren who ran the No Guts No Galaxy community for those guys. They were contracted you know, as, as like the PR guys for, uh, PGI and they just had their contract cut like a week ago and, or at least he announced it a week ago. It was back toward the beginning of the month, but yeah. So they've basically, they, they've cut those dudes loose and, and it's just like, okay, well, I guess there's no, uh, no community outreach anymore. And MechWarrior five did not review well. Um, I played it for like a week and then I shelved it because I'm just like, this is no fun. Now I'm going to wait on mods because mods, it's like Skyrim, right? It's like, it's buggy. It's weird. It's not great. I'm waiting on the modders to get a hold of this and fix it just like they do uh, every other Bethesda game, right? So it's like new Bethesda game comes out. And this is months and wait right and this is and this is what i've always said about like games is like the modding community saves games like if you give real modding abilities to these things it can literally make a difference which is why i feel like ea did a disservice with how they did their like online stuff with battlefront and battlefront 2 it can you know it completely was just a matchmaking thing whereas i feel like if you truly opened it up to the community, you'd you'd keep that thing alive for a long time. But they had to they had to microtransaction it, right? They they needed to have a continuous revenue stream out of it. 
but my thinking is is why not make it so open to the public to be able to manipulate it that it makes sales right you know just like I feel like now that the modding tools are out for Mech Warrior Five, I expect to see some pretty serious stuff, and I think it's going to be awesome. Oh, maybe it'll be fu- fu- time to actually buy it. <laughs> maybe it'll go on sale. I mean, it like don't get me wrong. Like the initial like excitement of it was fun. Like you're like finally a, a brand new Mech Warrior game. We haven't had one of these since 2004. Like yeah. But, you know, and, and you, you play it and you're, you're getting in the feel of it. And then, like, after, like, your first, like, maybe three missions, you're kind of like, okay. All yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's basically, okay. So, here, so here's the story. When they put the demo out before the game came out, the demo mm-hmm. had four missions in it, right? There was a defense mission, a uh, destruction mission, which is, like, go, go sh- shoot this radar tower, right? There's an assassinate mission which is go kill a specific enemy mech that is somewhere on the map. Go find him, right? Mm. And then the the last type of mission is just like a warfare. It's like get in there and fight until you have killed X number of enemies, and then we'll say it's time to go and you extract, right? When the game shipped, there's four missions. <laughs> it's those four missions. And what they do is they randomly change what enemies spawn on the map based on the difficulty of the mission and there's four different planet types. So I can do those four missions on a volcanic, uh, a forest, a winter or a desert. Mm. So four times four, there's 16 combos of mission that I'm going to get. Um, and then I fly around this, this giant map and it's just like what mission of the four is on this planet. I'll do that. Oh, now I'll go to this planet over here. Which one is here? So it's really like, I don't need to travel around. I could just like hit quick play, you know, and let it auto generate missions. It's, it's like, I, I just, there's nothing compelling that's going on there. Um, and then in a game like mech warrior four, it was a linear campaign, like tie fighter, X wing, wing commander, the way games used to be. Right. So it's like, okay, well there's 25 missions and then the game's over well, I can play multiplayer, I can hit quick play, or I can build missions, or whatever. But there's 25 missions, but each one of those missions was handmade by a person. There, It's scripted, right? And it makes sense, and there's not just random whatever that goes on. And what they've done here is... Uh, uh, what oh. they've done here is just everything's random number generator stuff. So there is no like handmade mission. There is no whatever. So it's kind of like, yeah. So I would, I would rather instead of having a giant open world game with nothing in it, elite, um, I would rather have just 25 missions. That's a tight story thing. They get harder as you go, whatever. Right. And, and just give me a prescriptive preach. No, so what they should have freaking done is actually put in a campaign maker and just say, hey, you know what? Instead of making this giant map, whatever, we're gonna give we're gonna make a campaign that's 20-something missions long, and then we're gonna give you the tool to write your own damn campaigns, and you can write your own and pass them around the community and just make mech warrior games forever for each other. And go. 
right? And that would have been great. But mm, I don't know. That and I, honestly, I feel the same way about Hairbrain Schemes game. Is like if it had, if it had been a series of story missions, which is what the Flashpoint stuff is, and I love that stuff, rather than just the big map that you wander around, like looking for, you know, like okay, I need to make profit, I need to grind before I go take on this actual scripted story mission. Um, but that's kind of JRPG ish, and but it's like I I respect that more than what the hell PGI did with MechWarrior 5. I'm, I'm just not a fan of that. So, yeah. But I, I have... My concern is basically MechWarrior Online is not making money. So whether they shut it off or not, they should shut it down to kill the bleeding. I would hate to see it go, right? Like, how about just turn it over to the freaking community, like the people that love it or whatever. Just say, hey, you know what? Here it is. Here's here's the code. Here's the whatever, and but they can't do that because of the license crap with Microsoft. Unfortunately, mm. um, I've had that, I've had that conversation with them. You would think they just like say, okay, well, here's the IP addresses you can connect up yourself, you know, or what have you. Just make it like a little mini server that runs in an Arduino or something. I don't know. Yeah, it, it'd just be like, hey, um, here here's uh, you know, we can't give you the code or anything. But yeah, like here's a little server and you can host, you know, eight V eight games in your own community, whatever. We're going to take our server down. Good night. Um, fine. You know, but I, I guess there's license problems about that or it sucks. But uh, if you look back at like Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, right, there's still people running private servers for that thing. Uh, you know, if, if they had made a, that that's I hate this this consoleitis matchmaking bullshit where it's all peer to peer stuff. Great, well, but no, then you need their server to matchmake it, or you yeah, can't play peer to peer. And it's yeah, like it's not what the shit? Then you need a server. You know, back when Quake was out, you used to be able to just throw an IP address in there, or even heaven forbid, IPX, or you know, throw an IP yeah. address in there and just connect because the server yeah, client is actually built in right in there. Yep, and uh, we, we've had our adventures with that stuff, right? Because we had uh, what, what the hell was that? It was uh, started with an E, evolve and died, yeah. evolve. Yeah, we're yeah. still really sad about it because it yeah. was wonderful. It's it's basically like a better picture. <laughs> still it was, crying. Uh, it was, still that, crying. That, listen, that well, I'm a straight up that motherfucker like cheated out, man. He oh, I'm so mad. <sighs> Sorry. No, I'm still I'm I'm with you, man. I'm still angry. Still well, what, very, what was the deal with that? Like they they, they were got bought out by player.me. A player dot before that before that though, they they were having issues with funding. And mm-hmm. so they decided to go ahead and just like shut everything down and be like, sorry folks, we're done. Just like shut it all down. And then what was it like a month later or less? They're like, whoa, whoa, hang on a sec. Uh, we're securing funding from another source. And then they brought everything back up. But apparently, in the process, they had screwed something up on some of their servers. And so, like, not all the data was there. And I spent months trying to get the guy to do, like, a, like a general password reset for my account. And, like, he'd just be like, oh God. Yeah, 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 just keep keep, a, keep on a lookout in, in your inbox. You'll get it. And, like, he's like, send me a DM on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, here you go. And here's, like, here's my email. Reset it. For months, I did this back and forth. Like Brian was there, and like 
out of nowhere, he's like, oh, I got some news, guys. We're being bought by player.me, and the VPN portion, which is what everybody's actually here for, isn't going to exist anymore. And then he tried to do a Kickstarter to, like, revive it, and it just, like, failed horribly. Mm-hmm. Oh, Still very angry it, about that. Just, we still it, haven't found a replacement. Nightmare of a man. We still like, haven't found like, a replacement. Release, like, release that shit to the public, man. Like, that... Like, well, and that, that's the entire problem with it, is it was a central server... You have a, a billion distributed clients that can't find each other without the central server, and then they fuck the central server up. And I mean, you know, I mean, like, yes and no, like yes and no. It's it's uh, it works on like a relay system with a central server server. So like once you're connected, like you're there. Um, yeah, but they didn't make that server something that anybody could host. Right. It's not like I can rent an Amazon box and stand it up and hey, now I'm the new node for this thing or or whatever. Well, not in this sense, correct. Yeah, it was, but still. I mean, I understand why they want to make money, right? And you have to, you have to own the castle in order to make money to charge people to use it. But at, at the point where it's like dead twice, just turn it out, man. Well, I mean, if if you're having funding problems or you're having problems keeping your company afloat, like, don't just be like, and we're we're gone. You know what I mean? And then be like, uh, a few weeks later, being like, and we're back. And then, like, a few months later after that, you're like, and we're gone because we're bought by this and we're integrating these other features into Player.me. And then they don't want to do, like, Player.me doesn't want to deal with the VPN stuff, so we're just going to get rid of it. Yeah, and I'm surprised, like, like, Machi didn't mm. pick it up or something. Hamachi or like somebody mm. else didn't swoop in and be like, "We'll we'll take it from." I mean, there's a couple Dude, other why like, isn't Hamachi out there. Why why the hell isn't Hamachi making a service like this? Because uh, they're they're business focused. They're not about games. Yeah, they're yeah. about business. They're business focused. But with Hamachi, you can do the exact same thing as what they were doing. The problem with Hamachi is though, is they didn't have the control. They don't put the controls in place like what um, Evolved did. So the thing that was nice about Evolve was is it was like a VPN, except for it only allowed for like the gaming connections to work. So you couldn't necessarily use it for a traditional VPN unless you change settings deliberately. Like you had to go in and find the settings to like open it up for yourself. And so like you could use it as a traditional VPN. Mm-hmm. But like all that stuff was blocked off by default to like keep people safe. Um well, yeah, and, and if Hamachi, right, like if you and I set up a network, then you have to invite me into the thing. And then it's like, it's up, right? Mm-hmm. My my machine sees your machine. And if you didn't firewall your stuff right, you're at high risk, you know, if, I, right. if I'm a nasty person. So, so, so it's basically you're letting somebody else's network right. into your house. Right. at that point and it's like that's bad but but with evolve it just did the one thing that it needed right. to do exactly exactly and that's the problem that i think we're running into there's another like russian based application that apparently is like evolve nope was. Yeah, nope that's exactly what i said and yeah. um there's there's game ranger but the problem with game ranger is it's a software based thing and it has to be integrated with the games that like like yeah. they have to make like they're like now this game works with 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 Game Ranger like, and they you can't just like fire it up and they haven't added a new game to their service in God knows how long and well, you know we didn't even okay, know if so they're that, still like what we don't even know it's ha- like they could shut down tomorrow you know right. we don't know there's 
There's one other final option, and that is a thing called zero tier. But zero tier is like the Linux of VPNs. So like you would have to set it up and then you know go full on neckbeard configuring it to do the same thing that Evolve did. Right, and and then that's not a thing where you tell your friend like download this client, make an account. Well, I mean, if well, like yes. So so essentially, what would happen is is like the person who set it up would do all of that like neckbeard work. And then, and then you would you would hand it off to someone else. To be like, here, connect to this, and like you can assign. Like it's really easy to hand it off to like get people to connect. But it's the initial configuration shit that's just obnoxious. Mm. And yet, yeah, that, so that, and yet that might that be what freaks, we have to do. Well, the other thing that freaks me out about any kind of uh, like a VPN tunnel between people application like that is remember I did that, that digging on the web and I found that whole like super scumbag business model of reselling your bandwidth from your house. to Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh geez. Yeah. That scares the shit out of me. So when you said like Russian VPN, nope, (laughs) because it's like, how are, how are you making money? Hmm. Yeah. So basically the business model is, um, I well, get you to install a client on your machine, right? And and it brings you some benefit, but it sits there all the time and it's wired into your network stack. So when you're not using your computer, it phones home to to Russia, right? Or wherever. And it says, okay, this guy, his computer's idle right now. He's at work. He hasn't touched it for like an hour. So then they have another business that is, Hey, do you want to do web scraping? Do you want like, you know, home IPs because you can't, you can't like do things VPN wise. Like, uh, if I want to subscribe to Disney plus and watch the Mandalorian, but I happen to be in China. Right. So how do I do that? Because they'll block it. Well, I have to come from an American IP, but Disney plus knows, you know, all these IPs here are people on a VPN. We know that that's a VPN tunnel. So we're going to block that. So how do you get around that? Well, you need a residential IP from somebody who actually is a cable customer somewhere. So you get them to install a client on their machine. And then when their computer is idle, you sell their computer's bandwidth to somebody else. And you say, okay, you know what? We can tunnel you through Jim's computer. And then you can watch the Mandalorian. So it's like my computer downloads the episode. Yeah. And well, and it's like holy we didn't even crap. have to go that f- we didn't have to go that far. They emailed me and we're like, we'd like to advertise through you. I'm like, okay, I have some questions, and they never got back. Was to me. Never responded. <laughs> the Russian company, yeah, the Russian company, yeah. They would love to advertise through you. We want to make you an affiliate. <laughs> Great, I've got <laughs> questions about your service. Cricket, cricket, cricket. So hey, I, I have never a, respond. I have a question. <laughs> so that. What what the hell is that mobile game? Last it's, question because like we have to wrap M- up. Last okay, question. Okay, it's it's like a a mobile MMO thing that's uh like every single YouTube channel is advertising this damn thing right I, now. I, I can't I, remember mm. what the name of it is. It's it's a Clash of Clans like uh, uh yeah. I don't I don't follow mobile games. I have no freaking idea. Oh, you you can't watch gaming videos without people like reading in. It's like, oh, and our sponsor is uh, whatever the hell this game. I would love to have a sponsor. Be nice. Someday, maybe. 
Anyway, I feel like V. I feel like Viva uh, the Dirt like did a thing about it. But anyway, uh, folks, just a couple of quick programming notes before we wrap up. Um, next week on the podcast, we are going to welcome the developers of Galaxy in Turmoil. Um, their game is currently kickstarting. And uh, we're going to welcome them on. I think they're doing all right. I haven't looked in a f- few days, but I think they're doing all right. We're going to so welcome the former rebellion guys. Yeah, right, the, I think so. Yeah, they're, they're making not Star Wars Battlefront 3. Yeah, something like that. It looks yeah. cool, but it looks really cool. By the way, the game is uh, is Raid Shadow Legends. So if you get an it, email, it, it's what who, Shadow, huh? Let me know. It's, it's called Raid Shadow Legends. And uh, the, there's like a bunch of controversy busting out like YouTube channels freaking out about stuff with the, with these guys. But basically they're paying a lot of money to get all the YouTube influencer people to like show their thing. And uh, it's, it's not great, but oh. anyway, I was just curious if you've been hit by them because once they, once nope. they get a hold of you, they don't let go. They spam the shit out of you. So I was wrong. Galaxy and Turmoil is not doing well. Um, Excuse me. I apologize. They need a. They have a five hundred thousand dollar goal, and they're not even at five thousand. So, uh, so, oh, okay. You well, know, for five dollars, you could get oh. a copy. Well, you know, there have been Kickstarters that have failed, and then the project has succeeded anyway. So, who knows? Uh, we'll be talking to them next week. Tomorrow on the stream, uh, before we wrap up, we're going to have a flight sim stream tomorrow where uh, I got Air Hauler 2 for Flight Simulator X, and I'm going to try and actually pass the flight test that you need to do to get missions. That's going to be it, tomorrow morning. thing where it puts like an economy in the game? Uh-huh. And then you have to like fly. Yeah. Oh, that sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, is uh, that a, someone is that a just like a free mod or something you have to. Well, pay there are or? a couple ones. The paid one is called Air Hauler Two, which is what I got. You can get that on Steam. Um, I got it on sale, and like I got it at one of the sales recently. But there's also FS Economies, I believe, which is free. Yeah, that's the one I'm familiar with. Um, yeah, but uh, someone in the chat was telling me how uh, guy named Amaranth was telling me how great Air Hauler. I'm like, this is what I want for Flight Simulator, but I can't pass the test. I have failed 13 times and it's all about the landing. My landing is are terrible. Apparently you got to stick it, man. (laughs) So that's what we're going to do tomorrow is try to get me landing properly and to start taking air freight missions with air hauler too. Uh, So I want to thank uh, Joshua. First, I want to thank you for coming on and getting into the, getting into the weeds, the nitty gritty, of uh, porting a DOS game to Windows because I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone doing that for one thing. And two, we love, or at least I love rules of engagement. So it's like, we got rules of engagement. Um, And I also want to thank our Patreon patrons for helping get us every dollar closer to making this a full-time endeavor. We are now at one-fifth of my rent. So if we keep going, we'll be at a third, then a half, then so on and so forth. Um, if you want to learn how to support spacegamejunkie.com in becoming a full-time endeavor, full-time endeavor, you can go to spacegamejunkie.com slash support, where we have links to Patreon, our merch store, all that stuff. Uh, every dollar you kick our way um, 
is a big help. And we appreciate not only your dollars, but your time, because that's something you can't make back. Uh, so thank you for spending time with us tonight, y'all. We really appreciate it. And we will see you back here tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific time for some hilarious flight simulator action. I hope it's hilarious. Uh, have a great night, y'all. Bye-bye.